The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Rydercat. You can find me at Rydercat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnerds Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. And the uh, sound effect that you just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Co-hosting from the borough. Uh, We just celebrated the 25-year anniversary of the passing of one Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., one of our favorite sons from... The, the the People's Republic of Brooklyn. So, uh, in his honor, is Brooklyn in the house without a doubt? There you go. Indeed, spread love. It's the Brooklyn way out here, right? Moet and Alize. Exactly. They keep me. Well, I'm not gonna let uh, say the this <laughs> part. Yes, indeed, indeed. Well, folks, this is the Combo Chronicles, and you can find said Combo Chronicles on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. Uh, folks, we're going to get into some comics Right. I was about here. to say, remember to hit like and subscribe oh, yeah, and sorry. leave us five-star reviews, all that good stuff on the podcast and the uh, the video f- uh, feed and stream. I, I If I misspoke earlier, I think I might have said celebrate. I really should have said commemorate or memorialize the passing of uh, uh, Biggie because, you know, his passing obviously is no reason to celebrate, you know, the, 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 the anniversary of it, but in, instead to commemorate and memorialize it. Yeah, some people think a uh, passing is a celebration of life. So you were, you know, so I'm pretty sure someone weren't, no one would take it, you know, take it uh, negatively the way you said it. Right. So. Well, you know, just to be clear. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah, um, but like I said, we're going to get into some comics here in a second. Um, just wanted to, at the very least, mention, I'm not going to go too far into it, the fact that the Star Wars card 
season two, episode two came dropped the. Did you say Star Wars Picard? I did Star Wars. We got Star Wars news later. You right, know exactly because uh, but... something did drop this week, very Star Wars related. So Actually, we're and going a to Star talk Trek about that. Yeah, it sounds like Roddy Cat's got some Star Trek to talk about first. Yes, yes, indeed. Thank you, thank you. I didn't even. I, I do that. Uh, often, so it's it's. I know somebody's gonna. Right, much to the consternation of the Star Wars oh, and Star man. Trek fan yeah. bases, yeah, both fan bases would be like, "The hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> I, and I consider myself a part of both, so it's, you know, exactly, exactly. So. For the ones who the for for the ones who are in the um, the uh, who are intersectional that way, right. who are in the uh, the 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 middle part of the Venn diagram, it's probably right. very tough. Exactly, but yes, yeah, Star Trek. Picard season two episode two uh dropped today as of this recording Thursday um and uh, I Age of Seven has not seen hasn't seen it yet so we're not gonna go too far into it just to say that uh we get um like last episode we got into pretty much catching up in and and now the plot uh, thickens uh so to speak like if you've been uh, if you've watched the first episode you kind of know what's going on this is kind of get them getting uh getting themselves together to do what they have to do um it kind of lended itself as if it was going one way that was slightly kind of familiar and it still kind of is but at the same time it's like no actually there are a couple of familiar beats in it um if you know enough about your star trek lore but you know th- let's just say the placement of where they are and um what they're trying to accomplish uh is slightly different from something from a couple of things from uh trek lore i'll say that so i'm like well we'll see how it goes uh, um i don't know how many episodes i'm going to assume it's 10 like the first season was but i'm not entirely sure um, and I'm assuming it's 10 because as we will talk about in the news, there's another Trek show that's going to be starting, uh, and I doubt they will want to, uh, overlap those two, uh, not to say they have anything to do with each other, but I'm, I'm sure just like Disney stuff, they don't want too much stuff, you know, conflicting with each other. So, but okay. yeah, it was still good. Uh, right. Pretty I good. Had, all right. That's that? cool. No, no, so you enjoyed it, huh? Oh yeah. 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 Like, um, so the first episodes th- in. Yeah, two episodes, and I'm like I said, I'm assuming it's ten, but I don't honestly know. So, and I need to. I, well, I don't need to. I guess I can do a quick uh, IMDb search to see if it's up there yet. But um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. When do these episodes drop? That's probably going to inform when I watch these Thursday mornings, or I think it's, I want to say five o'clock, but I'm not sure. But it's, I know definitely Thursdays. They're usually um, out there Thursdays mornings when when I see them. Thursday morning, okay. Yes, they definitely they they definitely drop on Thursdays. So I don't know if it's three o'clock or five in the morning, but I, but I do. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so I have to. So that 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 may not lend itself to me catching up. Uh, I mean, being current by next sure. week's episode, but I will probably have a chance to watch the first two by then. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was like, it's a weird weird day to drop them on. But then again, some would say that about Wednesdays also. But at least that gives us enough time to kind of. You know, or at least that gave us enough time to kind of um, to uh, to do something about it. You know, get some, get like <laughs> something. But luckily, my Thursdays are not outside of reading books. Outside, uh, is not that terrible. I know yours. Your schedule is a little bit different, but right. So, but yeah, like I said, enjoying it so far. Um, I I'm very curious if like the if they're going to 
if this is going to go a similar way than season one did, because you know it was kind of going a certain way, and then it was like, oh, by the way, you know, at the end, it kind of switched gears just a little bit. I think it kind of started out that way with this one. Um... But it is definitely some Trek stuff, so it's not, like, outside the realm of possibilities. The only thing that was different between this and, and that was, the, like I said, the, the stuff at the end with Picard, personally. You know. Gotcha. Uh, but, I mean, that, but that has nothing to do. They, they kind of talk about it here and there, but they don't even get into, you know, into it that much. So, you know. Um, but, yeah. No, like like I said, there was there. I, it felt like they were going to go a, a familiar beat, uh, uh, more similar to some stuff that's in, going on in the comics actually right now, or a particular set of comics. But you no, know, so not really. So yeah. Anyway, that's that. Uh, now we're going to actually get into some comic books with uh, Strange Academy number seventeen. All right, so Strange Academy number 17 is written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos. Uh, for fan, you know, I, I've I've done that before as a as an homage to uh, Joe Beningo, who used to do uh, an ad read for Umberto's Clam House on the overnight on Sports Radio sixty six WFAN here in New York. Uh, colors on this issue are by Edgar Delgado, and letters are by VCs Clayton Cowles. I'm going to hand this off to Roddy Cat in a big way in a second, but I will say that this issue absolutely follows right up on the events of the previous issue, which dropped, it feels like, very recently. Strange Academy 16 feels like it was just out within the last two weeks. That does feel, I think, believe that was actually the case, yes. So, you know, we are right on the heels of the previous issue, so I think this is a side effect of maybe previous delays in the release schedule and and the publishing schedule, most likely pandemic related. But uh, it seems like we've gotten a couple of these issues out in uh, quick succession. Take it away. Yes. So um, the events of last issue, speaking of found uh, a couple of things happening. One, uh, there was a spring formal, there was two, the expulsion of one Calvin, I guess Morris is his name. Uh, and in this particular issue, we find that um, one particular student uh, is, uh, I guess we can call her a semi-main character, more, more uh, a, a focal character, um, kind of feels a way about the expulsion and what feels like we were talking about this earlier before the show, what feels like something a little outside of her character, um, has one kind of treated the situation a little bit, a little bit more hyperly than it feels like it should be. But also the way she kind of brushed off her date, uh, Doyle to the, to the winter formal seems uncharacteristic for her. But in line with keeping in the the prophecy that kind of loomed over him and them that was um, that that was brought up uh, again in this issue, which seems to be coming true, I feel like there's a little bit there's something behind that. Like, and maybe that may or may not come to be true because it felt like the last couple of issues were like. Like, oh no, we're you know, prophecy doesn't necessarily have to happen like that. It's not going to be the case, and and you know, it, 
you know, it's just one possible thing and then switch to, oh no, this is definitely a thing that's happening. But because of that causes some shift in the school and the student bodies at the end of this issue, because of, uh, because of, uh, Emily's, um, which is the character in questions, um, radicalization of the class, let's say, Mm. you know, meanwhile, we got Dr. Voodoo who went to go to have a chat with, uh, the, the person that partially caused uh, this issue, which was that gaslight camp character, um, much, you know, at the beginning of the book and, um, that kind of went a certain way. (laughs) So um, gas lamp, gas lamp. Yeah. Wait, what did I say? Gaslight. Oh, like that. And you know what? I put that and I put that. Yeah. And I put that in my notes as (laughs) I did the exact thing in my, uh, my notes. I said gas light and then gas lamp. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, gas lamp, uh, character who, if you've watched the princess and toad, he looks like that dude, uh, that, that, um, Keith David, uh, voices. So, yeah. I mean, that's, you no know, that, that, that's a reference, uh, that I don't get and deserves, uh, where Korath, where are you? <laughs> Korath, where, oh my God, where the heck did I stash Korath? Unbelievable. Where did I put? Oh, here we are. Who? Thank you. I got to move that over here where I'll be able to see it better. Yeah, back from what if. Um, So. But, um, no, but, but, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no. But I just wanted to comment on a couple of things that you mentioned. First, you know, it's interesting that the gas lamp character is, you know, uh, it seems like uh, a longtime resident. Yes. of the magical parts of New Orleans. So when the the more powerful or more recognized teachers of the Strange Academy founded the Strange Academy and moved their source the the school towards a source of magic in uh, or near New Orleans, they knew of Gaslamp's existence. That's right. what it seems like from the interaction between um Dr. Voodoo and gas lamp, gas lamp in this issue, right? So yeah, that was, that that seems very likely, right? Oh no, and that was very much established when gas like the gas lamp. Sorry, I'm, I don't know why I keep doing that. Gas lamp kind of came into me because if you if you recall from a few issues back when, uh, when the kids went into town, Zoe basically ended up telling the story that brought him into play, right? So yeah, she definitely knew, and Doctor Voodoo definitely knew of his existence. Because they're both native of there. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, he's definitely a person that's been there before the school was founded and folks knew about him. Right. And he's recognized as such. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and we're never, we've never really been sure if there is a single protagonist like a Harry Potter, you know, because that's the obviously the easiest analogy to make in this, uh, you know, in this situation. Uh, you know, when we're talking about the Strange Academy, but, you know, there, there's more, there's really a, a kind of a, a, an inner circle and an outer circle of characters. And so the character that we were talking about before, who seems to be playing the lead uh, rabble rouser role mm-hmm. is definitely in the inner circle of characters, that we have gotten to know over the 17 issues of the strange Academy. So uh, it's interesting that they took her character and that's a spoiler right there. 
they took the character in this direction, especially in the direction of being um, uh, I guess speaking their truth to what they they're speaking what they perceive to be their truth to power. Yes. I think that is a very uh, a very uh accurate way of uh describing what's been happening here. Obviously in the wake of the death of Doctor Strange and some of the things that have happened with Calvin, I think uh some opinions have been changed and some things may have been thrown some perceptions may have been thrown askew. Right. I think you know, uh, based on what's been happening. And so that essentially leads us to where this issue ends up uh, at its cliffhanger page. Right. But it's still kind of weird, especially with this character, that it in- ended up that way. Like, obviously, for the story to to, to be what it is, it, it has to go over this way. But it felt like a weird, quick turn mm-hmm. for this character. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibilities that this character would incite some stuff based on her beliefs, but to the extent as, and as you say, as the, as the opinions of things were kind of got skewed or seemingly skewed, especially when she was explaining it, like that's not necessarily how things kind of went the case, but like mm-hmm. her perception or what is perceived to be the case is like you said, got kind of skewed and kind of going that way. It was like, it was right. still kind of weird to read, but at the same time, it was like, okay, it, hopefully it's going to, I assume so. that's why I felt like there's something else is that's behind it outside of the known quantities. Right. And there's also an element here of uh, a Greta Thunberg esque protest mm-hmm. at the end of the issue. Very uh, poignant, very timely mm-hmm. and very much uh, akin to uh, what has been happening over the last several years when it comes to uh, 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 children of a certain age and a certain school level. Right. So, yeah. So, definitely timely uh, at that. So, and also not outside of Roman possibilities for such a situation, you know, um, in a sense. It just seems kind of weird, you know, uh, given given the nature of things. So, and the nature of the character. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was, you know, and I agree with you that it was a definite shift that was unexpected mm-hmm. in this character's, uh, you know, characterization. Right. So, but like I said, we will see um, how it goes for, for, like, we know a potential outcome, but we, you know, they can still go away to kind of uh, snuff that out or change the outcome uh, in, in the coming issues. But we'll see. So, uh, so yeah, unless you got something else uh, uh, about that, we can move on. Uh, no, just, uh, you know, we, we're, we're looking, we were looking for a, a news article for more information oh, on yeah. this, but I had overheard on a Marvel podcast that uh, came out, I want to say, early this week. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was the Marvel pull list. And I believe they mentioned that uh, the, Strange, uh, the Strange Academy series is going to go on a brief hiatus for the summer because, you know, and, and they, they spun it. The spun that they used was the, – the spin that they used was that uh, it's essentially uh, summer vacation. You know, it's a summer break for the school. So they're taking the summer off. 
And, uh, you know, so maybe, you know, what we see here coming out in April may, may very well be the last issue for Strange Academy. I don't know if it's going to be in a volume or if it's just going on a brief hiatus and come back with the next issue following the summer, you know, like uh, in the late summer or fall. So we will uh, ha- hopefully have some more information on that uh, uh, very soon. Yeah. And Q, are you ready for the summers from from Are you ready for the summer from Meatballs? Which I recognize that probably one, maybe two people would recognize that of if you're of a certain vintage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the crowd probably excusably a little younger for that movie, but that's fine. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, oh man, has it been that long since I used? Um, oh no, it's still up on the board. <laughs> you see, Meatballs was an old '80s movie starring a young Bill Murray. Uh, no, we don't we have to get into that. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Listen, it's probably I recognize the movie, but I don't think I've watched it. So, mm, oh, okay. But I'm also one of those people that like rewatches uh, things that I love endlessly and learns to quote lines from it, like in regular life and even in business. Sure. Like, you know. I have to tell you, I literally, you know, I was talking to, to, to somebody about church business today. No, no, not today, but this week. Mm-hmm. And I was quoting Die Hard. I was talking about, talking about being uh, uh, the fly in the ointment. And I left out the, the, I left out the Hans, the monkey in the wrench, the pain in the ass. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. But anyway, moving on, President Bartlett. What's next? Amazing Spider-Man number 92. So we have some interesting creative notes on this book as we, you know, barrel towards the end of this Beyond storyline. So the plot for this issue is by Kelly Thompson. The script is by uh, Jed McKay. The art is by a trio of artists. Fran Galan, Sarah Pacelli, or Pacelli, and Zay Carlos, and you can absolutely tell who is you know when there's an art change in the book. Yeah, colors are by Brian Reber, and letters are by, of course, our favorite lettering Paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. So, as I said earlier, this is you know. I want to say this is not quite the penultimate issue because I think there's a Beyonce issue after this, and there then is. it's going to go to 93, and that's the ultimate, uh, the um, the final issue of the Beyond story. Right. And so, you know, there is a Beyonce issue that uh, follows up on, and when I say the Beyonce issue, it's the it's the it's going to be 92.bey for Beyond. But it looks too much like Bay, so it's the Beyonce issue. Yes. You know, that's that's listen to me, that's the old guy trying to appeal to the younger crowd. Hello, kids, want a skateboard? So in this issue, the uh the the the, the subject behind uh what is this? Subject Z, I think it was called. Yes. Right. The subject behind the gate labeled Subject Z was unleashed uh, due to... Oh, Door Z. Right. Oh, yeah, it was Door Z. The subject behind Door Z was unleashed thanks to uh, Ben Riley needing a distraction. You got to love Ben Riley if you like, you know, characters who are annoying. That's not me. 
I happen to hate Ben Riley, and you know, at some point they're probably going to redeem him at the end of this issue and maybe you know leave him for I don't know greener pastures. I hope we'll he see. Already, he already has his own book, so. Is that supposed to be in the aftermath of this Beyond storyline? That's part I don't know. Because, I mean, we already got first uh, the first two issues are out, and I've not read either one, so I don't know. Gotcha. Well, we'll find more out, you know, when, when they, when they uh, settle the Beyond story in a few issues, right? Mm. But ultimately, getting back to this issue, uh, this subject who is behind Dorsey is none other than, and I'm going to ring the spoiler bell here because... If you have been keeping up with this, you may not have immediately understood what was going on here. And there is a twist here, so I'm going to ring the spoiler bell. So, spoilers incoming for Amazing Spider-Man number 92 in 3, 2, 1. All right, so we find out that Beyond has been uh, experimenting on the lizard. And in conjunction with experimenting on the lizard, they have been uh, experimenting on him using Michael Morbius curiously timed to make Michael Morbius a little bit more of a hero character um, seemingly around the same time that the character is going to be starring in a movie that is supposed to come out at some point this year. Yes. You know, and we're going to, we're going to uh, revisit that concept of synergy between the comics and the upcoming movies shortly in another book that I read this week. But getting back to Amazing Spider-Man number 92, uh, as I said earlier, we're following up on uh, both uh, both Spider-Men in this issue. Not the other one, but the other other one. <laughs> yes. And... So, so uh, you know, the Daughters of the Dragon and Peter are dealing with uh, Michael Morbius and uh, the lizard, who is now apparently a vampire lizard because of his wings and his uh, discoloration. And uh, meanwhile, Ben Riley is off to do his very best or worst at trying to take down the Beyond Corporation. And ultimately... You, you know, we move in very incremental steps towards those goals. So we don't get any real finality in this issue, but, you know, we get to a point in this issue where we are leading into what is likely the end game for this Beyond storyline with the Beyond Spider-Man. I, I will tell you that I have not enjoyed the Beyond era of Spider-Man at all. I've told I told this to Roddy Cat. If it wasn't for the fact that we were following along with this, I probably would have dropped this book, waiting for Peter to come back in the new number one. I think yeah. When when this was pretty much um, when this pretty much started, we both said that same thing because it's like we don't need we, Ben's back as uh, as Spider Man pro, uh, Prime, quote unquote. No, neither one of us cared. But yeah, right. somehow this thing have managed to keep us on the hook with things here and there or people here and there like the daughters of dragons if you're watching if you're watching the video version of this um podcast you can see the cover which has uh the the you know peter and uh the the daughters of the dragon fighting uh that lizard uh exactly and you know we we always talk about it and it doesn't really need to be uh, uh repeated but i remember saying at the very beginning 
uh, to Roddy Cat on the show that they would give us just enough Peter to keep us uh, tuning in, mm-hmm. you know, they did. every couple of weeks. And they did just that. More than I definitely expected, for sure. Mm. So, um, but right, yeah. and it looks like Monica Rambeau is going to be appearing in yes. the Beyonce issue. Yeah, Auntie Monica, as they said in, the, in this issue, which I was kind of happy for them to say. I'm like, all right, I see them. them which is weird reference. because the Daughters of the Dragon have been around longer than Monica Rambeau. True, but no, no, no. I think that was, I think the reason why they said it like that was because I think that was a reference to Monica herself calling herself that in, a, I think, probably in the in the Ultimates like a while back or something like that. So, okay, I, it's yeah. just weird. It's yeah. it, to me that's weird because the daughters of the dragon have been around for a lot Since longer. Seventies, yeah. But and, again, sliding time scale. Time yeah, uh, whatever. Goodness, this is so. man. You know, just shout out to uh, Van Lathan of the Ringerverse, the the, uh, the of the Ringer Podcast Network. You know, they they poke fun at him for being old man Van, and he's younger than both myself and Roddy Cat. <laughs> and it makes me it makes me cringe every time they call him old man van i'm like yo we got a couple of years on this dude right well, you know there, there are people who 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 i dare say old souls but also they kind of have old um personalities i guess so i, right. I don't know I, I can't i don't can't speak to that because i've never watched them but when i when i when i bring that up it's the it's just but that it's, we actually have been right. living through and feeling the rubber band sliding timeline right that's that's the interesting part we're not we're not um looking at it purely from an academic perspective like <laughs> a, a new reader or current reader perspective we actually lived through it we're like wait a second this is not how this happened. Exactly. What's going on? Right. So that's so that's so when I, so when I saw that, that's why I took that as like I agree with you. It's like yeah, you're right. It was like wait a minute, these those two characters have definitely been around around longer than than Monica. But like I said, that's kind of how I took it, just to keep from being upset about the, the time difference. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, like I said, remembering that it that 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 she herself called herself that. And, uh, actually, no, it might have been. It w- might not have been an Ultimate. It might have been like a Mighty Avengers. Um, okay. One or two, but regardless, it was something re- Avengers related. Uh, but I do remember reading it because I think I pulled that for a CB Caps at one one point in time. Um, but regardless, yeah. So I'm looking forward to at the very least that issue because yeah, we, we're gonna see that it. I feel like it was kind of really blatant the way they kind of cliffhangered that part into going to that to that issue. It's not surprising that they did that, but it was like, really, this is what we're doing, huh? Like you're just gonna pull one one more uh, one more tie-in issue on us, and, and uh, b- before we go out. So okay, fine, go ahead, do your worst. Just long as long as you get this thing over with, which <laughs> should be in what two weeks, I assume. Uh... I think, I right. think it's going to be done by the end of the month. Right. So. Right. Cause I think, I think the Beyonce issue, you know, I mean, we could look at the solicits for, for next week, That's true. but, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be done soon. It'll be done soon. That's the bottom line. Right. So, and that's fine. Cause like I said, um, and we have some news on what's coming next, uh, after this particular, arc in the news section 
All right. So if that's it for Amazing Spider-Man number 92, we can actually move on. And this is, interestingly enough this week, this is where our reading paths diverge. <laughs> Roddy Cat and I do not have any more books in common. So we're going to be throwing out just a few more books before we get to rapid fire reviews. So uh, do you want to throw out a book, President Bartlett? Much next. Sure. Um, and actually, I can confirm that um, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, Star Trek Picard does seem to have ten issue, ten episodes. Okay, which makes sure makes sense because again, there's another show that's coming up uh, in the same month that ends. So that's actually it might be the same week. Now that I think about it, but regardless, uh, what's next? Actually, let's keep on the Spider Train. Wait, you haven't read this one, so yeah. Like I said, like I said, I actually I feel like we can just kind of go into rapid, to, if we're if we're being honest, since we. Oh, okay, so I mean, much. you know, it'll be like a modified rapid fire because yeah. we probably do have a couple books we want to talk about more than others. So I will spin it up though. Okay. I ain't got time to breathe. All right. So do you want me to go first? Sure, go for it. All righty, so I'm going to start off with uh, The Good Asian number 9 of 10. So we are in the penultimate stages of this great crime noir story written by Pornsak Pichetshot, with art by Alexandra Tefenki, colors by Lee Luffridge, and letters by Jeff Powell. So this is the penultimate issue of the miniseries and let me tell you there's a lot of movement in this issue there's a lot of reflection and a lot of exposition and a lot of as if i if i if i said it earlier i need to emphasize story movement in this issue because uh we're leading up to the finale so uh, without going too deeply into the story, there is a small time jump involved. There are uh, there are alliances formed, loyalties tested, uh, alignments rearranged in terms of uh, characters and their loyalties. And as I said earlier. We're leading up to what should be a very interesting final issue. If you are looking for something that is not of the superhero uh, uh, ilk of comic books, if you're looking for maybe something a little different that's rooted in a little bit of history, definitely not you know a historical comic per se, but definitely rooted in uh, a, a particular uh, era of history – and uh, need uh, a nice, solid story to be told with some cool twists and turns and don't mind the crime noir stuff, hey, Good Asian is a good pick for you. So I definitely recommend this book. You know, I am definitely of the superhero uh, ilk. You know, I'm definitely uh, uh, on that team, team superhero. But at the same time, I am more than willing to try out new and different things. So I would recommend the good Asian to people looking for something new to read. This is, I want to say probably going to be either one 10 issue trade paperback or the second, this is going to be collected as part of the second of, of uh, a five issue compilation. 
So I think there is a five, uh, a trade paperback that consists of five issues of the book that's already out now if you need to catch up. All right, next up is Devil's Reign number five of six. This uh, limited series is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco Cacchetto, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VC's Clayton Cowell. So uh, Devil's Reign has been coming out in a weird publishing schedule. Last week's Devil's Reign Electra miniseries ended with what was a spoiler for an event that actually happens in this week's issue of the main limited series. And what I suspected to be true is, in fact, true uh, in terms of what was potentially spoiled in that issue. Uh, there are news stories about it, but if you don't want to get spoiled, just avoid them and try to get to this issue as soon as you can. Ultimately, uh, this very New York-centric storyline that revolves around most of the street-level heroes in New York City as they rebel against uh, the machinations of the, ma the, the, the mayor of New York, Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin. Uh, we're going to, you know, it's probably not a spoiler that we may be nearing the end of Wilson Fisk's tenure as mayor. But guess what? He's been a, he was elected mayor a long time ago in real time. In our real time, he's been mayor of New York City for several years, I think even longer than an actual regular mayoral term. Uh, I want to say he was elected in the comics in like 2016 or 2017. So it's already been more than five years. And I think the mayoral term in New York City is four years. But ultimately, you know, we're, we're, we're racing towards a conclusion. And, you know, there have been a lot of weird um, crossovers and limited series that have come up out of this Devil's Reign stuff. You know, we've had uh, a, a weird Dr. Octopus uh, miniseries that came up with uh, multiversal Dr. Octopi. And that's just weird. They, they do play some role in the story, but it was just a very weird thing. You know, uh, you know, shout outs to the editor behind this who allowed for <laughs> some really weird uh, ideas to take uh, shape around what would be, you know, a pretty straightforward city based, you know, like a street crime, a street level based superhero book. Uh See if there's anything else I need to add. Well, there's that Moonlight Night one also that uh, came up this that started this week, which I guess would answer one of the questions that I had about that part that I think I asked last week answered last week. Okay. So I have not read very many of the tie-ins. I've been keeping up mainly with the uh, the main limited series, but um, I'll, I'll 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 see if I can't take a quick peek at that. Oh, there's an Omega issue too? Boo. Isn't there always? There's always an Omega issue. That stinks. So, um, in passing, I wanted to note, uh, now that uh, I talked about Devil's Reign number six, I wanted to note that Eternals number 10 is out this week by Kieran Gillen, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Isad Rabich, and colors by Matthew Wilson. I want to mention this because uh, both Roddy Cat and I have been 
remiss in not keeping up with Eternals, because, especially in the in the uh, in the wake of the announcement that that Judgment Day crossover between the Avengers, X Men, and, and Eternals is coming up. So I think that uh, especially the current arc of Eternals is uh, part of the ramp up to the Judgment Day crossover more so than anything that's happening in any of the other two team books. You know, Avengers is off doing its multiversal, you know, a story that has to deal with Avengers forever. And, you know, the multiversal masters of evil and the X-Men are still dealing with uh, uh, like the whatever phase of the Krakoan story they're in now. So Eternals is where you're going to find most of the ramp up to that Judgment Day crossover. So I think it would behoove both of us to at least take a look at those issues. And if you're interested in that Judgment Day crossover, you may want to uh, peep these issues. Next up is a new number one issue for this week. It's Punisher number one. It's written by Jason Aaron. Pencils are by Jesus Saiz. Inks are by Paul Azaketa. Colors are by Dave Stewart. And letters are by VC's Corey Pettit. So, look. I'm a fan of The Punisher. Some people aren't. I grew up a fan of The Punisher. I collected back issues of The Punisher. I do not have his first appearance. But I did buy as back issues the first five issue limited series that had the Punisher as a solo title, you know, that had, had him as a solo lead character. And I collected the war journal when, uh, Jim Lee was on it. I bought a lot of those, uh, as back issues because I've missed out on some of the early ones, but you know, I, I definitely enjoyed the Punisher character. They definitely took, they've taken that character in all sorts of directions. And unfortunately the symbol of the skull on his chest has been appropriated by uh, ne'er-do-wells and, uh, frankly, quite stupid people. And it's unfortunate that, you know, as a result, uh, the Disney Corporation and, the, and its Marvel subsidiaries has to uh, reply. And it seems like part of its reply has been a slight redesign of the skull emblem that is on Frank Castle's chest. And to explain away that change in the emblem, we have the story. So I have a feeling I know where Jason Aaron is taking Frank Castle here, but obviously it's only the first issue. There is a twist in this issue. It's not the first time we've seen this particular story twist come in, but uh, it's the first time that it's being brought in with this particular premise. And the premise... And it's not really a, a spoiler because they've talked about it in the press. The premise is that Frank Castle has been recruited by the hand. And you know, the hand is almost never up to any good. The hand, you know, also deals in resurrections. So that is a big hint in what is going on in this storyline. Obviously, if you're uh, if you remember, the hand has dealt with, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the street level characters and the martial artists of the Marvel universe, namely daredevil Electra, of course, being at the top of the list, secondarily being Wolverine and black widow and going down the line. Funny so Punisher also has dealt with the hand before now as well. Say again. 
I feel, I feel like Punisher also uh, as I think it, I think most of the street level, but that's my point. Right. It's 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 mostly dealing with and 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 that you, that absolutely follows along with uh, my thought process here is that it makes sense that the Punisher would be you know uh, a character that would be primed to interact with the hand, especially for the purposes that are enumerated in this issue. So, you know, as I said. It's in the press. It's not really a spoiler, but if you want to read this first issue with as clear a view, a clear-eyed view of where they might take it, it's best to come in mostly cold with maybe some of the information that you know from uh, the Punisher coming in, you know, from his origin coming in, and then just sort of reading this and seeing where uh, seeing where we are here. Uh, again, the sliding Marvel timeline here is always tough to reconcile because Frank is in most people's minds, not a young person, right? Originally he's a Vietnam vet, but he's not a Vietnam vet anymore. Not in the sliding rubber band Marvel timeline. At most, he probably is not even a uh, 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 post nine 11 vet. He's probably younger than that. He's probably like in the the second wave or the third wave of his, of of uh, Afghanistan and um, and uh, what you call it and uh, 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 Iraq. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's almost certainly not post nine eleven mm. because that would put him maybe a little too old, but maybe not. It depends. Gotcha. But uh, you know, ultimately. Mm. I see where this is going. I think, but you know, yeah, you know, I'll I'll see if Aaron has something up his sleeve. I've been, you know, I felt like the the the, the Avenger story that Aaron's been telling has been a little hit and miss for me. You know, it's a little on the too broad side, especially bringing in um, that Avengers Forever book and dealing with the multiversal stuff. I'm not as big on the multiversal stuff. You know, I'd much rather like have like a gigantic Avengers team the way Hickman did it. You know, and and just tell really big universe spanning stories. But I guess there's only so much of a stomach for that in 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 the editorial office. But uh, in any event, uh, the Punisher book I think is a pretty decent first issue uh, to reintroduce everyone to Frank Castle and to this new direction that he's in. Next up is Thor number 23. It's written by Donnie Cates with art by Nick Klein, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So, yo, this is definitely, definitely, definitely a clear candidate for click of the week for me because this is the, as the ty- as the cover says, and I think Roddy Cat probably has the cover up, it is the yep. realms shattering finale of God of Hammers. So I'm not going to spoil what happens here. There are a lot of things that happen in the finale to the story. Uh, just to give everyone a quickie synopsis of what's happened up until now, Mjolnir has basically taken on a life of its own. And if you're familiar with the mythology that Jason Aaron and Kate's 
have instilled in the latest in the current version of Mjolnir, you know, there's a god storm inside, but now the hammer itself has become the god of hammers and you know has gained sentience in a sense and gained its own personality and is rebelling against Thor and against the magics that Odin uh put on it. And so we get to, you know, after a really interesting issue and a, a pretty intense battle, we get to the point of Mjolnir uh, being in a certain state. And at the end of the issue, thanks to Angela, of all people, right? Remember, they've revealed that they have revealed that Angela is actually Thor's older sister. Uh, thanks to Angela and the angels of heaven or heaven, uh, Mjolnir now resembles what Mjolnir looks like in the promotional materials for Thor Love and Thunder. Okay. I'm not going to spoil it beyond that. If Roddy Cat needs my explanation, I will speak to him off air. But um, that is, I'm going to put that out there. Like I said, I didn't necessarily want to spoil everything in this issue. I think it is worth a read. So, but this is the, this is what I was referring to earlier as comics being synergistic with upcoming and possibly current movies. So talk about getting that particular uh, imagery of Mjolnir in on the comic book stands. Mm. Next to last uh, is X lives of Wolverine number four of five. So we are near the end of this X lives of Wolverine uh, stuff. This issue is written by Benjamin Percy art by Joshua Cassara and Federico Vicentini. Colors are by Frank Martin, and letters are by VCs Corey Pettit. So, I'm not gonna. Uh, it's it's so hard. This is uh, I would be dropping gigantic spoilers if I talked about what happened in this issue. I will say though that uh, in this issue we continue to follow up on some time travel, and we follow up on what has happened or what is happening with Moira McTaggart as the result of uh, the events of the trial of Magneto and the events of the trial of Magneto have uh, spilled into the X lives and X deaths books of Wolverine. And so if you're interested in what happens next to Moira and how that affects the possible future of mutant kind, you're going to have to read these books. And that's where I kind of find fault with um, how this is all going. I feel like I'm, I'm left wondering if this is what Hickman if this is how Hickman meant to end or, 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 or how, how he meant to end a certain character's storyline or, or uh, this is where he meant to lead this character storyline, he is still the head of X. So it seems to me like this is probably where he, he meant to lead it. It may not be how he would have executed it, but this is how he would have meant to lead this character. Um, once this character was reintroduced, uh, and, you know, and 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 put at the forefront of the X Men, and that that character being Moira McTaggart. So that is uh, X Lies of Wolverine, and just very quickly, X Deaths of Wolverine number four. It's also written by Benjamin Percy, 
uh, with art by Federico Vicentini, colors by Diho Lima, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, you know, uh, in a similar vein, we're following the time travel shenanigans that Wolverine has been sent on in this issue in the X Lives. Uh, you know, he's he the, the the gist of the story is that he's trying to protect Professor X during the time travel stuff. So, uh, you know, Omega Red is the uh, the agent of chaos that's being unleashed on the timeline, and all of this is being perpetrated by one uh, Rasputin brother, and it's not Colossus. So there's a big spoiler. So if you've been reading X-Force, you definitely need to pick this up as well, you know, and, and need to keep up with this. You know, X-Force has been on hiatus, so you can't, they can't, you know, you can't necessarily complain that um, you've had to read X-Force, buy X-Force and uh, X-Lies of Wolverine and X-Deaths of Wolverine to keep up with the storyline. Uh, so, you know, uh, they're not necessarily... Uh, forcing you to double dip, but these books are coming out in rapid succession. So in, in a sense that they're, they're making you pay a little bit more to keep up with the story. But um, at the very least, you know, this story seems to follow from the pages of X-Force, whereas the the overall story, especially in uh, with regards to Moira, I'm still sort of scratching my head. I, I'm still like, so is this really where they wanted to take this character? Is this what Hickman, you know, really wanted this character to do? Or this is where, this is the twist. Because that's really what it is. The, you know, the, the twist involving Moira is big. And how we reinterpret what we read in uh, Hoxpox changes because of what has been um, delivered as a twist for Moira's story during these last several story arcs, uh, Trial of Magneto and the Ten Lives and Ted Deaths uh, inc uh, included amongst that uh, group of stories. So that is it for me. I will hand it off to Roddy Cat. And not exactly rapid fire on my part. I apologize. Maybe it was a bunch of three-shot bursts. <laughs> not a problem, because I'm pretty sure I, I will have a couple of my own. Uh, which, starting off with... Oh, crap. I knew you were going to do that. Yo, these covers are going to be the problem. Uh, I am Batman, number seven... So, um, let's see. Da, 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 da. It's written by John Ridley, art by Christian Deuce, uh, colors by Rex Locus, and letters by ALW's Troy Pateri. So, um, I guess going back to the New York thing, we, uh, Jason's in New York. He's the New, he's the New York Batman now. Uh, he's working with the police there and the mayor, um, big, I, I would argue begrudgingly, but hey, you know, it's it's better than nothing. And we have uh, Detective Chubbs and Whitaker, formerly of the Gotham uh, Gotham Police Force, that are the head of the uh, task force that is that is supposed to be helping um, uh, Batman, uh, as they call him in this book, uh, uh, Strike Force Bat, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. 
Uh, but you know, during their first case, apparently they uh, Jace is pretty much butt pretty much butt heads with them because. Uh, well, this this rich dude uh, got murdered in uh, issue. I think it was last year's issue or, or two. Um, and Jace is like, uh, I, y'all can take care of this. I'll help you. I'll, I'll give you a lead too. But this is y'all's thing. I got a thing of my own to do because he didn't want to have to deal with some case like that when there's so many other crimes going on in New York. But he had to kind of uh, backtrack in Mia Culpa because apparently the two cases, the case that he's working on and that particular case are connected, obviously, not surprisingly. So um, so they have to now actually work together um, uh, with the case going forward. Um, uh, I guess one thing to note, if you haven't been keeping up with uh, the this book, uh, you know, the uh, well, let's just say that the detective that he's working with, Chubbs specifically, um, doesn't like masks, and that kind of goes back to, um, well, technically it goes back to Future State, but I guess this is since this is after Future State, this is this is kind of in line with that. But Future State and the Bat books before Future State, I guess Future State also. Kind of, uh, I, I don't know if she was in there or or not. But regardless, this kind of goes back to to that. And she doesn't trust the, the masks, but being that they've had to help each other out on occasion, they're starting to warm up to each other. Let's just say. Um. So, whether that keeps on being, whether it just so happens to be all in New York, then, um, we'll we'll see how that works out. Next up, um, this was a fun book. This is a potential click of the week, actually, for me. Superman, Son of Kal-El, number nine. Uh, this is the crossover, uh, the part two of the crossover between um, John Kent, Superman, and uh, Nightwing, Dick Grayson. Uh, that came from, uh, what was it, Night, uh, Nightwing 89, I believe it was the last issue. I don't remember the issue number. I think Sorry. it was. I think it was. That's fine. Um, but yeah, so this is the the, the continuing of that um, uh, of that um, uh, of that uh, crossover. Uh, it was. This was actually kind of a, a fun issue in a way. Like, yeah, there was a there was a thing that happened. Uh, I won't, without giving it too much away, but um, uh, at the the end of that Nightwing issue, they come to find out that, hey, somebody's killing, somebody was killing uh, heroes. Uh, just so happened to be that one of them that got killed was a particularly strong member of the Teen Titans, but no one of note, I would dare say, because I didn't recognize them. So that put um, Nightwing and John on on the case of this. And in this particular issue here, they um, were basically trying to sniff out the crew uh, that did it and uh, to see who's behind it. There could possibly be some Lex Luthor shenanigans or at the very least um, a less Lex Luthor base is involved or a building is involved. We don't know which which is which, but um, uh, that is the case. But on the other side of this, something happens in this issue that um, pretty much ends up making uh, Dick... Uh, uh, by proxy 
Yeah, and uh, a a um um uh, John's mentor because it, it had been established in that Nightwing issue that uh, John had looked up to uh, Dick for quite a while, um, you know. So and uh, and I believe uh, Clark was the one who called in Dick to to uh, to look after uh, John every now and then. So just kind of serving that purpose. Also, there were a couple of questions that were brought up in this issue that I was like, you know what? I agree. That's that is a valid question. One particular of those questions could have been asked to Bruce, to Bruce because there was a particular um, scene in the book where John was scanning the uh, the, the Luther building, and it was like. How do you get something like this made? Do you have like a, some contractor that that serves evil purposes or something like that? And I was like, you can kind of ask. You might as well ask that to, to Batman also because he's you know how did the Batcave get get t- <laughs> done? So so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but outside of that, like, you can so at least say it was Bruce and Alfred. But there's no way that all was a two that. person g- yeah, uh, there's job, no right? Way. Right, exactly. So it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, like I said, outside of the fact that the, the team up was what it was and the little, uh, and, um, uh, the establishment of Dick as a, um, as a mentor to, to young John, even though, you know, more powerful, he's still a kid or he's still a youngster, I guess, at, at a certain, uh, certain point. Um, it was, it was kind of endearing that point. I, I'd say give it a read if you, cause you did read that, uh, Nightwing 89 one. Did you, did you not? I thought you did. I did, I did, and I forgot that this was a, a that that was a crossover. So thanks yeah. for reminding me. I'll make sure to circle back to that. Yeah, not a problem. Like I said, it's, it's a it's a pretty good read. I thought so. You you might enjoy it. Um, there's a shirt now I actually kind of want, but I think there's there is probably one that that's uh, that there's probably one like it. So either way, that is that. Um, and I forgot to get the creative team. I'm sorry. Uh, written by Tom Taylor, pencils by Bruno Redondo, inks by Bruno Redondo and Wade uh, Von Graubadger. Colors by Adriano Lucas and letters by Wes Abbott. Uh, let's see. Next book. Uh, actually, I can pretty much talk to, talk about these in tandem since they are related. First one is Trial of the Amazons, number one uh, of two, actually. Uh, so this is the big uh, Amazon event uh, in the DC universe. So it's going to go through... Um, well, Nubian and the Amazons, which is the book I'll talk about next, Wonder Woman, and I believe Wonder Girl is also uh, is, is tied into this. Well, I know she's tied into this because she shows up in here. But regardless, this is the technically the, the first official um, um, uh, in that book because it kind of stemmed, uh, stemmed from Nubia and the Amazons. So this is written by uh, Stephanie Williams, Vidi Ayala, Joel Jones, Michael Conrad, and Becky Clonan. Uh, art by, wow, I've made some typos here. Um, sorry for a second, excuse me. Laura Braga is doing art, Skylar Patridge, uh, Joel Jones, and Elena uh, Casagrande. Colors by Romalo um, Fajardo and Jolie Belair, and letters by Pat Brousseau. So, a few things are going on here. Like I said, there's some things that's kind of tying into uh, uh, Nubia and the Amazons. Um, Hippolyta's back because she was with the, the Justice League after handing off um, the queenly duties to Nubia at some point in the past. Um, probably when she was with, with the Justice League. And I think that was in the last year or so. Um, but now she's back. 
uh, on on Themyscira, and the, there's a, so a couple of things that are going on is there's been some there's a contest that's going on because they need to find somebody to guard to hold the door uh, of this thing called the Dooms Doorway, um, and they've been kind of that's kind of been a theme through um, through um, newbie and Amazons. So there's that. So there's a contest going on that they're trying to get uh, get. Um, get situated so they can so that they can do that we have these other sets of um amazons that are coming in one particular known and one just known uh the I, i'm not even gonna say their names but basically it's the crowd with like um uh the, 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 the um, artemis if you know that dc character her um her crew of uh amazons uh, and also another newer group of Amazons, which is basically Lara, Yara Flaw's, uh, Flores, um, uh, lost group of, um, Amazons. So they're all pretty much on Themyscira and they're all meeting so they could, um, so they could, uh, enter this contest and there's some bad blood between all of them. And like I said, this one new group they don't even know that much about because they're so new. Uh, and so newbie is trying to deal with all of that. And, um, uh, and, you know, trying to get everybody on, on one accord, but also we have this thing in the background where at the end of this issue, there is, well, one, something's coming through doom's doorway. That's going to cause problems. Um, uh, Diana's actually back on earth now. I guess that happened in the pages of wonder woman. Cause I haven't been keeping up with that book, but wonder woman is also going to be, uh, this is going to be tied up into this book. I forgot to mention that if that wasn't, probably clear by the name of this, uh, <laughs> uh, event. Um, but also there is another thing that happened near the end of this issue that, um, um, is definitely affecting the Island itself, but specifically a couple of people in general, one of which I named, uh, because there was a murder and I won't go too far into that because I feel like I probably almost spoiled it just then and there. Uh, which leads us into the next book, Nubia and the uh, Amazons number six, which is the last issue of this book. Pink. Uh, I knew you were going to do that. I hate these covers. There we go. Um, creative team is story by Stephanie Williams and Vida Ayala. Uh, script by Stephanie Williams uh, pencils by Aletha uh, Martinez, inks by Mark Morales, colors by Romulo uh, Fajardo Jr., and letters by Becca Carey. So this is uh, Stride of the Amazons Part 2. So this is kind of keep keeping on with, uh, with that whole storyline. And this is dealing, this is pretty much the aftermath of um, what happened at the end of Trial of the Amazons Number 2. In fact, it's a few days later. Um, there is a whole bunch of talking about what happened there. There's still something oozing through the door, which ends up starting to affect, uh, at this point, at least one of the Amazons, but we don't necessarily, or we start to get a hint of what that may or may not be because of a conversation that happens here. Uh, there is someone who has taken charge that being Cassie Sandsmark taking charge, uh, to find out who was the murderers murderer was of, of another major Majorish character, um, and also, uh, like I said, some still ongoing stuff with the contest that's going to be uh, that's going to be had. I, I'm assuming in the the uh, in the midst of this event with all of these um, different uh, Amazons going on. So, 
And at the end of this book, uh, one particular person, that that being uh, one Wonder Woman, Diana, pretty much has her uh, has a way to deal with at least part of what's going on. But we will see uh, in the the next Wonder Woman issue what that it will end up being. So, um, I definitely enjoyed um, uh, Nubian Amazons um, when I, when I was while I was reading it. So I would say if anyone enjoys knows the character of Nubia and 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 uh would like to read uh, about what's going on with her at this particular moment and what is going on with my sh- camera I do not know either way um that is that so while I fix that I will go on to the next book which is uh Captain Carter number 1 of 5 um, this will be one of the two multiversal books <laughs> that I talk about. Oh gosh, what is going on with this? Pardon me for a second, folks. While I um, okay, no, my camera decided to wig out. I do not know why. Or actually, it looks like Skype decided to wig out. I don't know what's going on. I was about to say it looks fine on my end. No, it will, but Skype, uh, something between Skype and OBS is is. I is, see. Uh, yeah, understood. So there we go, and it'll probably fix this. There we go. I'll fix that there, and it'll probably wig out again at some point. So not a problem. Anyway, Captain Carter, number one of five. Like I was said, um. I'm, Written by Jamie McElvey, art by uh, Marika Cresta, color artist Eric Arseniega, letters of BC's Clayton Cowles. So I think this is taking taking place in the world of the what if uh, Captain Carter. They don't necessarily say as much, but it would make sense. So if you've seen the um, what if animated uh, series on Disney Plus. You know, there was a um, there was a there was an episode that introduced Captain Carter, which granted she's been in the comics books before. Um, I think she was in the Exiles before, so this character kind of existed before that. But what? But uh, but just to kind of keep it a little clean, she may very well be from this one because in that issue is establishes her. She pretty much gets her powers. To, I mean, she gets her. Um, yeah, she gets surprised the same way Captain America did. It's basically, hey, what if Peggy got it? Peggy Peter Carter got uh, the Super Soldier Serum as opposed to Steve Rogers. You know, similar things happen to her than than Steve, and she wakes up in the future, or she gets thawed out in the future. This is pretty much taking place uh, at the start of when they found her uh, in the ice. And her getting acclimated to modern life, basically, um, uh, which actually makes sense, you know, because like I said, we did not see that in the what if we just saw her going from here to there and like kind of kind of kept going. So I guess this, if this is in that same world, then this is pretty much establishing that little in between part. Uh, we get introduced to a couple of. Um, well, actually, we get to introduce to one person in that uh, um, that she is going to end up working with, and that being one um, Elizabeth Braddock, 
whom we know as a Psylocke, but I don't believe she has her powers in this universe. Uh, but she is with someone who, who will be working with her. Um, and uh, but basically, like the, the, the crux of this issue is her adjusting to to, to modern life and trying to stay under the radar of um, you know people knowing who she is. But that apparently at, at the end of this issue did not happen happen as as well as she thought it was going to. So um, like I said, we will see what happens with that. Um, uh, next issue. Let's see. Next book. I'm just going to keep it like that because I feel like if I mess with this camera, it's going to mess up again. So, uh, Spider Gwen, Spider, uh, excuse me. Yeah, Spider Gwen's Gwenverse number one of, I believe it's five. Um, is that the case? Yes, it is. Uh, this is another multiversal book. Uh, <laughs> not, uh, well, similarly, but not necessarily similarly to the last book I, I mentioned. Um, if you know about Spider-Verse, you, you kind of get to just here. So this is basically Spider uh, Gwen Stacy of uh, Earth-65 going on her own uh, particular version of Spider-Verse uh, because there's some care. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Excuse me. Uh, Tim Seeley's writing this art by Jody Nishijima, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Ariana Meyer, and yeah, like I said, this is pretty much uh, Gwen's uh, Gwen of Earth 65's version of Spider Verse because through some shenanigans of this character that we meet uh, at the end of times, uh, their lives end up sort of merging together in a way. Uh, unbeknownst to Spider Gwen, uh, as I'm going to keep calling her, I know her name is Ghost Spider. Um, <laughs> but hey, I'm, I'm gonna call it Clay. I'm gonna call it Clay. Um, apparently, there's a part of this that I was not entirely sure of, but then again, I didn't read that last couple of volumes of Spy- uh, Ghost Spider because I was not aware of the fact that she was known in the Earth 65 as Spy- uh, Ghost Spider nor that she had the um, the, the uh, Venom symbiote suit, or a version of the Venom symbiote suit. Yeah, uh, the, the, the Venom symbiote has been around for a while. Right. That's that's actually been her full-time suit for quite a while now. Okay. Um, the, the Ghost Spider part, I want to say they adjusted the naming of the title when they started adjusting <clears throat> calling her that in her re- Earth-65, I think it is, right? Right. So... Right. Okay. So that's a little bit more. I want to say that's or maybe that's around the same time. But yeah, that's definitely been. Yeah, it's probably just because you haven't been really keeping up with her solo title, even after they they canceled it. Right. Um. Unfortunately, we haven't seen much of Gwen doing solo stuff after the King in Black miniseries mm. that came out. Remember that? Right. That was because that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was written by, um, how was it, Rainbow Roll? Maybe. Oh, actually, no, we have seen her since then, technically. Because remember uh, the last volume of Amazing Spider Man, where she and the Order of the Spider were trying to help right. her. Right. No, but I'm talking about solo stuff. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, like, gotcha, gotcha. Right, right. Like, so, like, actual, like, you know, like exploring her solo sure. stories. I got So you. that, because that, um, that, uh, King in Black story was like Spider Gwen versus Carnage. Okay. 
right? So that was a uh, a king in black tie-in. Oh. But in terms of like a solo story, I want you know I'm gonna Google that real quick because I apologize. I was messing around with something, so I had my hands full. Um, I want I, I don't want to misstate who was writing that, but bottom line is I I saw who was writing this. It's Tim Seeley, and I'm like, is this really going to quote unquote matter if it's not? Um, uh, what call it? The the writer who was writing the Spider Gwen versus Carnage hmm. uh, story. I just gotta see who was I writing. Feel like they bring cause... in Tim Seeley for like sad stuff a lot of times lately. Say again. I said I feel like they bring in Tim Seeley for a lot of sad stuff, both on Marvel and DC side. I feel like um, mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that, but I f- the way this is being set up, it might not matter. But it's it's pretty much sounds like just like I said, it's going to be her version of. Um, it's going to be a Gwen versus her version of Spider Verse, because you know, or more specifically, what's going on with Miles in his book, where he's going, he's going off into the multiverse and re, uh, meeting all the versions of himself. Same thing right. seems like it's going to be happening here. In fact, it's already happened in this book because right. I we, apologize. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish up. I, I just wanted to to oh. mention the author. Okay, so we yeah, so in this issue, we she ends up meeting a version of herself that is a Thor. Hmm. So that which which starts that off. But what were you going to say? Seanan McGuire. Oh, Seanan yeah. McGuire is the writer who picked up, who basically picked up uh, the uh, the reins on uh, on on, on Spider Gwen and really did a good job. I feel like yeah, on we like Spider Gwen title, right? Right. She did a really good job, and you know because of the pandemic, essentially cutting off. The, the 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 last volume of the the, the full time Spider Gwen volume, mm-hmm. you know that kind of that kind of complicated things, and then she picked it, she was able to pick it up with the with the Carnage miniseries. Gotcha. So um, I, I feel like I want to get jump back on Spider Gwen's story when she's able to restart it, or if they, you know, kind of give Spider Gwen like a new. Um, a new a new series but i don't know maybe this you know up to you you know this this you tell me is this something i should be reading as a fan of spider as a fan of spider gwen hmm it's kind of or like, is this jumping or is this something that's just jumping on the uh the multiversal train of fandom it kind of feels like it's jumping on the multiversal multiversal because we we have seen that there are specifically uh lately there have been gwen uh, co- uh variant covers lately so I, I assume this is something tied into that. Plus, we know, like I said, Miles is just like the, just like Miles. Yeah, right? exactly. Like Miles, Miles is getting his yeah. his own um has his own multiversal story going on at this point. So I feel like yeah, it's pretty much just more of that. But for her, you know, I'm surprised Gwen Poole hasn't um shown up yet, and we know that's the person that's. I guess she's in the six one six. I don't even know what the hell is going on with that character, but um. Um, and I mean, granted, that's not Gwen Stacy, but y'all know what I'm doing. You know, it's silly, right? You know, but regardless, so, but yeah, like to answer your question, I feel like that's the case. It, it might be okay. jumping on another. It's it seems like it could be kind of fun meeting this. Uh, like the, the character that's the cause of this is kind of weird. Um, but it could end up being fun in the long run. I'll say that. Okay, but, but it's kind of soon to tell from this one issue. Like the meeting, the her meeting Thor, it, it's kind of one of those things. Like, okay, you, you're really beating yourself up, and I feel like there's part of that is the is the plot here. 
but you know, I understand. Yeah. Uh, and and I feel like there's an underlying tone of that going into this. Whether it leads to something else, who who even knows? But it could be fun. I, I may try to keep up on it. Uh, last but not least is Sabretooth number two. Here we go again. Soup, soup, soup. Pardon, folks watching live. Whether you hear any of this in the in the audio um, version of this. Who knows? Uh, written by Victor Lavelle, art by Leonard Kirk, uh, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, um, last issue, we found that uh, Sabretooth is not the only person that was uh, put into the pit. In fact, five other folks have since been put into the, uh, the pit, and Sabretooth has pretty much taken over the place um as his own personal king of hell, I guess. Um, and at the end, of the, at the beginning of this issue, we find uh, the the five that got dropped in, being chased by uh, Sabretooth up until a certain point, where one of them kind of, I guess, toll on him. I don't know what the what the case is going on here. This is a weird book. Um, but also, we get an appearance by a um, uh, um, a Morlock that I don't think we've seen since um, the Mutant Massacre, who um, has had some dealing with Sabretooth. Um, there's even a interesting... I thought about uh, Agent 70 when I saw this part. There was a I'm walking here uh, reference made in the Really? Book. Yes, because, because this character is a New Yorker. Um, okay. Um, and also, which also calls the question when this book is being taken place, because that particular question gets, uh, goes to seek help because of one of the five, uh, thanks to one of the five, uh, that's in the hole, uh, who reached out to this other character, but this character is trying to seek help from people on Krakoa and runs into a character that at this point is no longer on, uh, Krakoa. So I was cut, which made me wonder, like, when is this story being set? And I wonder if this was a story they kind of had on the shelf uh, at a certain point before uh, X of Swords, which probably probably can tell you who that character I'm talking about is. But nevertheless, um, it is what it is. So that's pretty much what's going on in this book. But then, well, actually, I take the back. Something happens at the end of this book with the five to where I don't know if the, uh, uh, if they even need help anymore because of, let's just say some folks so some ideals may possibly be aligning here to what end I do not know because uh, like I said this is a weird book so I may have to reread this book just kind of uh, see what if there's something I might have missed on that but um, question yes. Is this something I need to read because I feel like I wanted to find out what was going to happen with all those characters that got sent to quote unquote Krakow and hell. This does tend to <clears throat> partially answer that in this issue. Whether this is a required re- reading, I would doubt that, but it does definitely answer a question about that, the, about the pit. Uh, okay, and because uh, I think I remember skimming the first issue, so I'll right. try to I'll, I'll check in on this issue. Listen, folks, we definitely have 
the benefits of, you know, uh, being a comic book podcast and having access to several comic books that if we were not on a podcast, we would not ordinarily have access to. So, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a privilege for us to be able to say, you know, I'm going to skim that and see if I like that. This is true. Whereas more often than not, you'd have to be standing in a comic book store and being monitored for reading books when you should be buying them. Absolutely. Um, that is the last book for me, but I would, uh, I, well, I'll probably bring up a couple more books in, in a minute, but definitely wanted to bring up the fact that I, it was either that I read that book last or um, X-Men Legends, which is the seemingly, as I told Agent 70, the beginnings of the beginnings of X-Factor. And uh, if you've, if you know anything about me, I well, I think Agent Seventy in itself for a certain point, kind of a, a X, uh, not X Factor, excuse me, Excalibur, Excalibur fan, uh, and I am curious about what this, uh, what that issue uh, is potentially going to retcon, if anything. Or gotcha. I mean, I was not an Excalibur fan oh, okay. growing up. I mean, I definitely knew of the the characters, and 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 it was nice that Nightcrawler was off on his on you know on his own, you know, like in a different title, trying to you know headline that with uh, with Kate back then, Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, so I, I definitely have to uh, defer to Roddy Cat's expertise when it comes to Excalibur issues. Gotcha. Coincidentally, um, Excalibur comes off of the same um, mutant event that uh, that I referenced in Sabretooth. That that uh, seems to be referencing. It does. It absolutely does. In the wake of that. Mm-hmm. All righty. So if we are done with that, we are. Incoming clicks of the week. So we don't have anything from our uh, other folks. So it is it is all on us. All right. So I definitely have a clear cut favor, but I'm going to mention some of my runners up. So I definitely liked Strange Academy number seventeen, despite the kind of weird characterizations that we saw mm-hmm. in it. I actually did happen to like Punisher number one. I didn't mind it, but then again, I'm the Punisher fan on the panel. Yeah. Um. Good Asian number nine was a strong, strong issue, especially as as uh, Pornsak Pichetshot is, you know, like bringing his story to an end or at least a possible end. We don't know if there's going to be a follow up or not. But for me, I think the clear click, my clear uh, click of the week is Thor number 23, a great finale to this God of Hammer storyline. I had a lot of fun reading it. Nick Klein's art and the visuals on this. It's its its not something that I would ordinarily call my cup of tea. I don't think Nick Klein's art is as detailed and as clean as what I generally prefer or favor, but I felt like overall the composition and the way the story flowed and the, the storytelling on the page was really top notch and, and, and all together told, you know, the, the, the parts of this book came together to tell a really uh, good uh, conclusion to the story and set up several things moving forward. So Thor number 23 is my click of the week. Okay. Um, for myself, um, well, one, I didn't get a chance to read Naomi number the season two, so I'm kind of bummed about that because I didn't get a chance to read the the the, the first uh, miniseries. But 
And I know there was an Icon and Rocket that came out this week, but apparently we did not get it. Um, and I think I don't think it was out there to get uh, from what I'm from what I saw. Um, and there was also two Star Wars books that came out, one of which we did get, and another one which we did did not get, or at least I, well at the time. I don't know. We might have gotten a copy of it, uh, but did not see one when I was looking for books. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll do another thing if I actually do read them over the weekend. Uh, but that being said, like uh, Superman, uh, some catalog number nine was definitely a potential click of the week for me. And in tandem, Trial of the Amazon and Nubia uh, and the Amazon's number six uh, were definitely personally good ones for myself i enjoyed reading both of them uh but um we haven't had a two-way tie a a two-way book like that in a while and this will not be that week for that so i think captain carter was actually a vaguely interesting read and and not vaguely but it was kind of an interesting read in the beginning because like i said the the adjustment part was kind of the the thing where it's gonna go don't know but uh may keep uh keep track of that so, with that being said, I think Superman, Son of Kal-El, number nine, is definitely going to be my uh, click of the week. Uh, okay. Was, like I said, it was fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, despite uh, a, a thing that was kind of sad that happened in the, in the midst of it. Um, it, it, was a, it was a good read, I thought. It was a good, endearing read. And also kind of weird for me because there are not too many times where a DC book will be a click for the week for me because I am more of a Marvel person. Uh, if, if you've um, if you've stayed with the show long enough, you know that. So it happens. It's even happened to me, and I'm probably even more of a Marvel person. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. Uh, of the of the of the uh, full panel, uh, it, it's. Safe-ish to say that uh, Agent Seventy and I are probably the bigger Marvel person, peoples, and then mm-hmm. probably Tim, and then Dirt, right? So in that order. Although I don't know, Tim would probably say say uh, right. It, I was about to say I think it depends on fandoms. Yeah, you know I think it varies on on fandoms. So because I know he's definitely more in the X crowd uh, uh, of the books. Uh, I mean of the stuff. So he he may be more Marvel than DC. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, I'm definitely, uh, you know, uh, I'm definitely both X-Men and Avengers stuff. Yes. Whereas you you, you tend to, to, to veer towards the Avengers stuff and oh, yeah. Tim v- tends to veer towards the X-Men stuff. And I'm all, I was always the one that brought the art, uh, the art stuff. Right. So actually, you're more of a FF and, and X Men. It's oh, I, I mean, that, 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 that's that's just my old age, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying. But yeah, yeah but I'm saying it's like yeah, like uh, that's why I'm a Marvel guy. Right. I'm more Marvel than a DC because right. I cover, saying, like most of the big, most of the big titles. So. Right. Right. Like I said, like Tim kind of comes from the, from the X corner and and probably veers off to the thumbs up. I'm coming from the Avengers and some X stuff, and there's some some uh, you know some FF here or there. But you are the FF. Coming into in the X stuff and Avengers. Yeah, I'm FF the one that Avengers. covers right. I'm the one that covers the the, the FF base, even though right. I can cover the X Men and the Avenger base. Right. So, <laughs> so we got a got a little bit of a, a Venn diagram going on there. There so, you yeah. go. There you go. So yeah. So though that is clicks of the week for us. Catch them. Um, we're going to go into the news, but first an ad read. 
Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And just a quick note, we actually do have a little toy corner at the end of the show. Okay. Solid. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of news this week, uh, so we're going to kind of tr- try to breeze through some of this. First off, uh, Jason Momoa discusses his flamboyant Fast 10 villain for the first time. Um, so yeah, Jason Momoa shared uh, new details about the character he'll portray in the, in, in the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. He says, I'm not going to do a Jason Momoa voice, but I'm going to do Fast Fan 10, and that's going to be fun. Yeah! <laughs> exactly. Do something small, ind- wait, do something small, independent over in London. So I guess he's something else he's, he's doing. I wonder if that's that show he's doing, because he's doing like an Apple TV show. Uh, he's on an, he, he, he's on, he's actively on an Apple TV show right now, I think. Right. And I don't know if this, if this is the thing he's talking about. He might be talking about something different though. Regardless, mm-hmm. um, Momoa told Entertainment Tonight about his next project doing a red carpet appearance of, at the premiere of The Batman, probably supporting his, uh, former stepdaughter. Right. Um, uh, it's fun. I get to play the bad guy, which I haven't gotten to do uh, for a while. Now I get to be a bad boy, a very flamboyant bad boy, a little panache. I guess he's talking about the, his his, um, his uh, Fast Ten character. So, which hey, if that's uh, if that if that franchise has nothing else, there's <laughs> some some bits of flamboyancy amongst other things. So, salute familiar. Next up. Next up, Mark Ruffalo says he's, quote, passing the banner. Oh, gosh, (laughs) passing the banner. (laughs) To She-Hulk's Tatiana Maslany. So he seems excited to pass the torch, as I said, more accurately, the banner. And at the New York premiere of his new Netflix film, The Adam Project, Ruffalo discussed what fans can expect from She-Hulk, including lengthy scenes shared by the characters of Bruce Banner, Professor Hulk Ruffalo, and Jennifer Jen Walters slash She-Hulk, played by Tatiana Maslany. He says, Maslany is freaking legendary as the She-Hulk, he told Access. I'm passing the banner onto her. There's some really good, funny, cool, long, long scenes between Professor and her. We've never really seen the Hulk interact with people the way he does in that show. It'll be really interesting. Um, And that's pretty much it. But that's interesting that uh, they may hand off the Hulk banner, as it were, (laughs) in the Disney Plus shows. Right, because I believe we did see in the... the, um in the teaser that he's human again at 
for at some point. So I assume something happens. Well, no, remember he that? he he was in the the credits thing for uh, the 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 credit scene for uh, Shang Chi. Oh right, but he right, and he true. was de hulked. Right, that is true. You're right, and he had a um, I think he still had the arm, uh, the arm, arm sling. Arm sling yeah. yeah, you're right. Actually, speaking of Shang Chi, I don't know if this is the next one. No, it's not. Okay, never mind. We got some Shang Chi's Shang Chi news coming up there uh by the way if you haven't seen and i still i want to watch this series uh tatiana maslani and uh orphan black who she's really good because she plays a bunch of characters which is probably why they how she got hired for this uh in the long run but i hear great things about that series uh it's on the bbc go check it anyway uh miss marvel to arrive on disney plus after moon knight but before uh, oh before she hulk so i actually kind of wonder this that's uh, interesting. Right. Uh, because I thought this was the case in the... Uh, anyway. So, anyway, it says here that uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek uh, has laid out a timeline for Marvel Studios 2022 lineup on Disney Plus uh, for for the original series. Uh, confirming that Miss Marvel will debut on the platform before She-Hulk, as opposed to the other way around, as some people have thought. Um, it's long... So according to this article, it's long been known that the MCU series Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel would all be premiering uh, this year on Disney Plus, with uh, Moon Knight kicking off things on March 30th, which that's still the case. Uh, but it was unclear when She-Hulk or Ms. Marvel would be next on the docket. And apparently this is news coming from um, excuse me, Disney's 2022 annual um, shareholders uh, webcast where uh, Mr. Chapek stated that, like I said, uh, Miss Marvel would indeed be the next Marvel show uh, after Moon Knight with She-Hulk uh, later this year. So, there you go. So, it sounds like I would assume... we. So, we know we're getting um, Moon Knight uh, in a couple of weeks. So, we'll let us assume, what, June? June, July-ish, probably, for, um, for Miss Marvel... And then probably October, November sometime. Probably November for She-Hulk. Kind of like uh, Hawkeye, I'd assume. But that is me speculation, I, speculating My on goodness, Moon Knight is right around the corner. Right. Unbelievable. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, How time time. flies when you're just kind of waiting for the next Disney Plus drop. <laughs> yeah, and we got the Netflix Marvel. I mean, Grant, well, for those who haven't seen that stuff or in the right. to the, the, the right. Marvel Netflix shows are going to hit the uh, hit uh, next week. Next week mm-hmm. uh, on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. As we have already established. So, yeah, there's plenty of things to watch. Unreal. Next up. All right. Next up. So, Marvel has confirmed a big Shang-Chi Iron Fist powers theory. So, Sean Walker, the visual FX supervisor for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, has confirmed the the film really actually set up subtly the MCU's Iron Fist. So what he says in speaking exclusively to Screen Rant is that Shang-Chi's mother, Ying Li, and this is a spoiler for Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings. So if you have not watched this, you may want to mute me or pause me until you watch the movie or fast forward after this storyline, after I talk about this new story. But it turns out that Shang-Chi's mother, Ying Li, 
was actually manipulating her chi when she fought Wenwu in the film's opening scenes. Quote, she's affecting the environment herself with her own chi, unquote, he confirmed, meaning Ying Li was indeed tapping into the same power source associated with Iron Fist in the comics. So everyone has their chi. That's the thing, mm-hmm. right? But it's not... Uh, it, it's not... Um, uh, really accessible? Uh, no, no, no. What I was going to say, it's not... It hasn't been... Of uh, uh, a power source in the MCU up until now. That's that's the sure. that that's the uh, the gist of what I was getting at, right? You know, it's a uh, you know every every uh, you know think of the force, right? Every every living uh, uh, thing has its own chi, right? And so, no midichlorians. What's that? And no midichlorians. Right, right. Oh gosh, <laughs> midichlorians. <laughs> So, uh, dialogue in Shang-Chi suggested Ying Li was blessed by the Great Protector as champion of Talo, presumably making her their version of Iron Fist. It's notable she even wears the trademark green and yellow. I noticed that too. Yeah, that she was wearing green and yellow, that's not associated the, that's with Kun Lun's Iron Fist in these open in in the opening scenes. But I feel like that's not the only thing that established that because I feel like even when we talked about Shang-Chi, there were a couple of things that even. St- that felt like I feel like we even said that like yeah they they felt like it felt like they were kind of bridging the two uh Talo and, and Kunlun uh to where they could have set up Iron Fist. I feel like we we said that on the show. Right. And ultimately, you know, when we saw how they were you know, after after we watched Shang-Chi and we saw how there were elements of other Marvel characters, mm-hmm. you know, namely the extra dimensional part of Shang-Chi of uh, Iron Fist's origin. Right. You know, being kind of incorporated into the Shang-Chi origin, you know, it made sense that, uh, you know, this could be a springboard for uh, Kunlun. Right. You know, being another city of heaven. Right. So this pretty you know, much... Alo being another city of heaven, that is. Right. Or maybe some extension of, we don't know. But Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and they're definitely, I feel like in the, they've, uh, they're doing something to tie it in the books. Uh, at this point, seem like, or at least they so feel like they they're going along to, those lines. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, never. I was just, I was just saying they, they seem like they're going along those lines anyway. Right, but if they decide to tie into Iron Fist, they have to recast Iron Fist. That's all I need. That's all I want. Yeah, recast them. The the way they're the way they're going with uh, the the, uh, the 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 Netflix properties that are coming into the MCU at this point, I don't know if they're going to. But I recast them. Kevin Feige <laughs> recast him, or I don't know, skip him and put throw, throw pay in there. You know, um, you know, I I would be fine. I'm like, oh yeah, this is you know, just recast Danny Rand. That's just what like, we need. Wait, Even if go. he's a side character, as you know, as, as the previous holder of the Iron Fist, right. the way they're doing now, right. just recast him. Okay, sure. Just bring in a monk from Kunlun, maybe pay, and you know, just just go ahead and establish it. Or I don't know. I mean, granted, this would be a little unprecedented, and they'll probably do that in the comic books if they were going to do that. But I doubt it. Give it to Colleen. I don't know. I hey, doubt they would whatever. do that. And just like I said, as long <laughs> as if you know, as long as when they include or if they include Denny Rand at all, it's right. not that guy. That's all I care about. 
Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you will hear no argument from a, a, a lot of other people, including myself. So, but yeah, like I said, this just pretty much establishes. This pretty much goes and confirms something that we've that a lot of people, including us, have thought was the case with that movie. Uh, next up, though, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder isn't finished yet. It says uh, director Taika Ytt. Um. So apparently, why uh, take your time? Take your time. I mean, it's going to be coming out in July, so you can't take too much time. So <laughs> take well, your time. Get it right, Taika. That's all I care about. You know. So um, uh, apparently, YTT uh, confirmed the status of the upcoming MCU sequel in an interview with Variety on the Film Independent Spirit Awards uh, red carpet. Still not finished, quote-unquote. Uh, says YTT, uh, when asked about the movie, it comes out in July, so probably the end of June, he laughs. Uh, probably the day before the premiere, laughs. And I feel like I've watched a, a, um, a movies that made us that pretty much actually did that. <laughs> like, the movie was pretty much finished, like, right before. It might have been Ghostbusters, I don't remember. But it was, it was a movie that was talking about that was pretty much had just finished right, right uh, before the premiere. So... Um, I think I think you're right. I think that they were talking about Ghostbusters. Mm. That was like the most recent, ep- the most like the most recent season. Yeah, of uh, uh, movies that that made us. Shout out to uh, Nacelle Productions. De- yeah, definitely, absolutely. So yeah, so that's uh, that's that. Um, and you know, like Agent Seven said, yeah, take take the time that you need and get it out there. I mean, I feel like he's he's built up the cachet from from uh, Ragnarok to where we can we can give him that. So, it should be all right. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Next up. Next up, Star Wars. Uh, <clears throat> Star Wars is John. It feels weird to say Star Wars is know, John right? Favreau. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. He signed an insane deal, quote unquote, after the success of the Mandalorian. He said to have signed this lucrative deal following the success of the series. According to Puck News, Favreau was tapped to produce just one season of The Mandalorian. When the fan response came pouring in, Disney and Lucasfilm offered him an insane deal to do more that included a number of incentives and bonuses. Um, let's see here if there's any... There no all right, so there's no, no, there's no number involved, yeah. but all we have to say is... Yeah. And I think uh, the article was going off of that that puck thing, whatever. I almost didn't. I honestly, almost didn't pull this article because of the, it was kind of going off of some hearsay. But you know, I felt big enough to at least mention. I guess like good for him. I guess. Um, and that also deal also probably means that yeah, he'll probably be behind some other things um, in the future. You know, because the Mandalorian did do well, and season two did 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 quite well and uh Boba Fett being whatever it was um and we know we got another season of Mandalorian coming so you know it's not like you know <laughs> dude's not gonna stop working anytime soon um so yeah good good on him I guess kind of borrow some money I don't know uh anyway um Star Wars Android launches an official Twitter account so yeah that we we know that series is supposedly still coming <laughs> we don't know when we don't know a whole whole lot about it we did get a teaser a while back but apparently um it's got a twitter account which 
uh, Twitter account now, which potentially means that um, there's going to be a trailer and some news coming uh, somewhat soon-ish. That's pretty much the only other reason why you would have a Twitter account for a, for a property like that. And at this point, it's still private, so I guess um, they might have something behind the private wall that they're going to announce at some point when they unprivatize it. Like maybe, I don't know, another trailer, a date or something. So we don't know. Regardless, we got something else coming up. And that uh, is going to be the next couple of uh, uh, articles. Today's fix- Shush. Next. Right. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to say that Roddy Cat and I are going to team up for the next two <laughs> stories. And I'll take the, uh, the, the, the ad-supported story after this because this is big, mm-hmm. folks. This is some big stuff that dropped this week. So I think we should switch the order because the images are basically related to the trailer. Well, the problem is that the images came out before the trailer, though. Well, I mean, so then we can we, we can take that uh, in, in the order that you that you uh, that you put it in, because at the end of the day, I didn't see those images until right. I watched the trailer. Right. Because, this, uh, yeah, the, the article that that spurred this came out before the trailer did. So, yeah. Um. And that basically is, so, as Age of 70 was saying, like, yeah, there's a new Obi-Wan, uh, some images coming from uh, the, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show that is coming up pretty soon uh, that reveals the new villain, uh, Inquisitor Reva. I'm calling her Reva. It might be Reva, as some people have saying it, but I'm calling her Reva because I know some, I know a girl named Reva. <laughs> spelled just like that. And Reva Right, I too much. don't, right, exactly. What's funny about that is I don't, I've only ever met a Reva with an I. Right. So we'll just wait at least. I mean, you know, we, we can always pronounce it, you know, either way until it's confirmed on right. the show. Right. So, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that these images are out there. Um, but then, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the, the, the big news mm-hmm. is that the first teaser trailer of Kenobi dropped this past week. What were your thoughts, Roddy Cad? I, I mean, like most people, I was like, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting this. But then when uh, going through it and hearing the music and uh, as you said uh, earlier before the show, you know, Doodle Fates drop and, and everybody loses their shit, um, which does happen. <laughs> and, and, you know, all the musical cues that happened in it and seeing, you know, seeing that new Inquisitor was a good thing. Like people were was like, oh, this she's and let's uh, uh, with the, all due respect, she's a very good, uh, very pretty woman. Um, so people were kind of thirsting on that online. Um, but you know, seeing that and seeing uh, other images that that came across, we got like uh, the Inquisitors. So we got the Grand Inquisitor. We got some Rebels action. We got um, some some fifth and sixth uh, um, uh, brother sister folk. Well, actually, fifth definitely because we know Sun Sun Kang is playing fifth fifth brother. Um, I loved it. I enjoyed the whole thing. I was like, yes, yes. I think I watched it like two or three times. <laughs> I definitely, well, listen, I definitely watched it multiple times and I'm not one of those Star Wars fans. And obviously this is where I have to, um, defer to Roddy Katz, uh, uh, much more expert level of fandom when it comes to Star Wars. I'm definitely not on his, uh, level when it comes to that. I, Watched it. I picked up on some of the cues, mm-hmm. but I definitely felt like the sound cues and the music cues were far stronger 
and meant more to oh, yeah. me I watching mean, the trailer. Right. And, you know, you could hear the mix. You could hear the music from the duel between Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin on the on Mustafar. Mm-hmm. You could hear it. I forget mm-hmm. what the what the music is called. It's like Duel of the Heroes, I think it is. Something like and, that. And yeah. yeah, or Battle of the Heroes, something like Battle that. The, you know, like yeah. if you if you uh, if you look up the soundtrack, you'll you'll see the track for that particular music. And you know, they mix they they remix that in with a little bit of something else. Some of the um, the, the 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 Star Wars chimes that we're all familiar with. Right. And we get Duel of the Fates, like the the opening of Duel of the Fates literally made me sit up in my chair. <laughs> yeah. It is it has long been said that the music in Star Wars is pretty much its own character. As a is an integral character as much as any body or anything else in that universe. And it's true. Like like I said, Doodle Fates comes on and people are like it that's just instantly strikes chord. Like even um people notice that um uh op- the the um the 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 opening of when Obi Wan came on screen in A New Hope, that that music cue was also in here. Uh, so, longtime Star Wars fans kind of got a, a lot of a, a lot of that, and of course there are you know Easter egg videos out there about that, which you can find a couple of in the show notes if you're so inclined to to look at that for this trailer. But watch the trailer first because it is it is a pretty good trailer uh, with mm. a, with a lot of good images in it, definitely. Like like I said on Twitter uh, earlier, I was like, I am. I was more hyped about uh, Kenobi uh, coming out of watching that t- trailer than I had been prior to. It doesn't really take much, honestly. If you're a Star Wars fan, like I said, do a little face was uh, enough. Was uh, you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll kind of get you there. But like I said, this this trailer was well cut. Absolutely, it was pretty pretty wild. Like I just remember, I rem- I. I you know, it's such a visceral reaction, like making you sit up and take notice. <laughs> and that was, you know, that was a masterful stroke on the person, you know, by the, the person or people that cut that particular trailer and, mm-hmm. you know, and set the music for it. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that we've talked about that, I'll move on to the next story. Well, before you, before that, you do that, before you do that, because one other thing to mention, which I guess is might be a known quantity. Um, Kenobi's being is set ten years after Revenge of the Sith, according to this article, which we guess we kind of knew. So it is basically his exile on Tatooine, watching Luke, because we get shades of all that in there. So that you know that kind of thing. All right, now then, right, all right. So okay, next up. So an interesting news. I did not know this. Disney Plus is going to add a cheaper ad-supported option to the streaming service. So Disney has announced an ad-supported subscription option for its Disney Plus streaming service, which will be available in addition to the service without ads. The new option is expected to arrive later in 2022 this year, with plans for it to be available internationally by 2023. Further details, including pricing and uh, and an official launch date, have not yet been announced. Um, wow. What is the current price point? I think it's $14.99 a month or something like that. I'm not sure. Honestly. I was about to say you got to go the yearly one. You got to go the yearly route. You have I to. That's would. the only well, way to do it. So, 
I agree with you on that. But um, and, and I normally would in a situation like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't remember what what um, what which one I did of that. To be totally honest, because um, normally, yeah, if if there's a yearly option, I would absolutely go on that because I don't like having monthly bills of stuff like this. Um, I don't know. I would have to look actually. Um, I, the curiosity here is. And I believe I want to say, oh, you know what? And I just thought about it because I just found out that I got um, Disney Plus through my cable service. Mm. So I don't think I'm I, I'm almost fairly certain I'm not worried about that anymore because of that. Um, and, I was, and I guess but that also brings the question, which I was going to get to, was the fact that I'm curious with this ad supported option. I wonder what with things like that, because you can get Disney Plus through like your your cell phone service and, and with certain cell phone companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if they're going to bounce people to this ad supported one or keep it the way it is in that situation. That's an interesting thought. I mean, it's, I don't know if you've ever dealt with the ad supported Hulu side because yes. that's what I have because that's, I don't subscribe to Hulu. I use somebody else's. Unfortunately, I no. just got, yeah, unfortunately I just re-upped, uh, on Hulu for that. Yes. And I did get the ad supported one. Right. Which sucks. But yeah, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I'm there. Hopefully, there there might be a way to circumvent that. I just thought about it through in the aforementioned uh, cell phone service way, but mm-hmm. uh, I have to look into that. But regardless, uh, so yeah, so this is going to be interesting. Uh, chained. I don't think we have any pricing information at this point. Just that nope. this is no, nope, the article thing. did not say it. I actually yeah. read it out loud saying that there's no news on that yet. Right. At least in this article, there may be some now, but definitely as of the writing of the article that we're talking about, right. no news yet on that. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any anything updated on that particular point. But yeah, them Disney Plus going the the uh, Hulu route. I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't happened before now. Honestly, um, to be to be honest. So, if we get any news on pricing, well, we'll let folks know. I mean, yeah, ad supported that that whole ad supported thing is is kind of tricky because that's kind of how they get you. You know. Like people don't like ads, and they know you'll pay more for for having ads, for not right. having ads. Uh, hence the Hulu model. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a weird thing. So anyway, that but it is it is big enough news. So it, it'll serve some purpose. There, I'm sure there are some people who don't who don't mind ads as much, uh, and will be all right with this, depending. On I guess cheaper. Yeah. Like I said, as I don't have, I don't have the most ad, um, adversity towards as if it's too many of them, then yeah, that kind of is a bother. And Hulu kind of skirts that line to being wait a little bit too much. Um, because one, I end up. Oh, yeah, I was like, about to say the Crunchyroll ads are the worst. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Those are awful. I'm probably gonna become. You know. You know. Uh, Due to the news that we talked about the last right. couple of weeks about the merger, I'm probably going to be a Crunchyroll subscriber before too long. Right. But the Crunchyroll ads are terrible. They're the longest this. and the worst. They're yeah, so repetitive. Yeah, I feel like Twitch ads are kind of like that too. But uh, but that's kind of per channel basis, and that's a separate thing. Uh, and I have yeah, I've been uh, Crunchyroll um, uh, subscriber long enough that I totally forgot that they do have an ad thing <laughs> that you can't. Yeah, unless you're watching ads. on your computer. There's our there's the workaround, right? If you're watching on your computer, there are no ads, right? Well, I mean, I have a, I have the subscription either way, so yeah, you're right. But right. yeah, 
you know, that's a convenient workaround if all you have, all, if all you need is an HDMI cable to plug into your computer and oh, or an adapter, right. then that's not the worst thing in the world. But if all you want to do is sit down and fire up your fire stick or something, it makes you think twice. Right. Anyway. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, no, that's right, because we said that, that that doesn't work anymore for the uh, for the fire stick. Because you could Chromecast it to your fire stick, but I don't think it works for that anymore. But it does, I think, still work on Chromecast. It's weird. Uh, anyway. All right, next up. Oh, you got next. Yeah. Uh, Avengers Infinity Actress joins Margot Robbie's uh, Barbie movie. Um, says here, Ariana Greenblatt. Uh, I believe she's also in that Borderlands movie um, upcoming. Uh, let's see, see, see. Yeah, she's going to join that Barbie movie with uh, uh, Brian Gosling and Margot Robbie. Um, don't know what her, the plot is. Don't know what her role is. I don't think, uh, maybe she's going to be, well, actually, I don't even know how old she is at this point. Um, oh, that's what that was. I was wondering, cause they said, uh, Infinity Wars. I'm like, who is this? Who is this person? She was the one that played the young Gamora. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, don't know anything else about that outside of she's, she's attached to this. Next. <laughs> Next up, and I had a lot of fun with this particular story. <laughs> so the trailer for the Super Pets animated uh, movie, uh, DC League of Super Pets, right, dropped. And we find out that uh, Keanu Reeves lends his voice to be the Dark Knight Batman in this animated movie. Whoa. And it is not surprising. Remember, uh, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is Crypto, mm-hmm. the Super Dog, and Kevin Hart is Ace the Bat Hound, right? So we get a little bit of comedy there. But uh, Batman, voiced <laughs> by Keanu Reeves, you never knew, I never knew, nobody ever knew that this is what we needed until we got it. I have not watched this uh, trailer yet, but I'm. I'm Are very you serious? Curious. Yeah, because I, like I said, when I pulled this, I was like, "Oh, huh, okay, I'm gonna have to check this out." Uh, but I never, we were watching I this after the show, folks. <laughs> you know, we we you know we'd be we'd be taken off YouTube right now if we um, if we watched it now. But That's true. Suffice to say, it's pretty impressive the voice work. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. So. Yeah, I, it's kind of amusing. Let's put it to us. And The Rock and Kevin Hart, them playing against each other again and something else. Whatever. Sure. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I could do, honestly, I could do without them. Yeah. I would much rather have Keanu Reeves playing an animated Batman uh, than, than, than The happen. Rock and, and Kevin Hart running around, you know, acting the fool. Right. <laughs> Yeah, which I guess is probably why they got him voicing Batman in this, because it's like, well, we know they can kind of take it off, because they know that, you know, it's going to be more about uh, 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 Crypto and Ace, as opposed mm-hmm. to... Uh, now I can't wait until the show ends so we can play that trailer. <laughs> All right, well, next, next up. Next up. Uh, DC's Blue Beetle adds uh, Bruna Marquezine, uh, Belisa Escobedo, and uh, Harvey Gulen to its cast. I apologize if I uh, botched up anybody's name. Uh, according to the rap, Blue Beetle has found its female lead in Brazilian actress uh, Bruna uh, Marquezine. 
uh, who plays Penny, uh, Jaime Reyes's love interest in the film, while Escobedo uh, has been cast as Jaime's younger sister, uh, Milagros Reyes. Uh, what we do in the shadows, a star Harvey Gulen Gulen has also been cast. Though the two t- uh, details about his role has yet to be disclosed. Um, and yet there's a Cobra Kai person that's going to also be in here. Oh, that's the the lead character of Jaime Reyes. Um, and I believe this is actually they did move this back up to theaters as opposed to HBO Max. So yeah. Uh, I guess they have enough faith in this to uh, to to put it in the theaters as opposed to keeping it with the original plans whenever that's going to be. So, okay. Next up. Next up, uh, The Flash, Black Adam, Aquaman 2, and more. See their release dates shuffled. <laughs> Oh yeah, yo! Let me open up this article. Goodness I, I gracious! I wish I had put it after that DC Pets article because that's actually um, um, involved in this in a way. <laughs> right. So Variety Variety reported the full update. So to summarize, the new DC movie release plan looks like this: The League of Super Pets does not come out until July twenty ninth, twenty twenty two. Black Adam does not come out until October 21st, 2022. Shazam 2 does not come out until December 12th, 2022. Uh, Aquaman 2 comes out in March of 2023, March 17th of 2023. And the Flash movie, the Flashpoint movie comes out June 23rd, 2023. So uh, Black Adam... (sighs) kind of gets the shaft and gets bumped back three whole months. I don't know if that's production related or if they just want to avoid the summer movie season or avoid any Marvel movies that might be out at that time. Well, according to this article, uh, that League of Super Pets is taking Black Adam's old spot. Right, but it's animated, so it's a little different. Yeah. So, I don't know, I saw somebody speculating that it might be might have something to do with uh, a recent uh, Warner Brothers merger with the Discovery Channel. I doubt that's the case. Um, mm. um, but who knows, you know, and I don't know why that would cause these to shuffle like this. That, w- that kind of doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, at least from from this perspective, but I don't know, I'm not an insider, so. Yeah, Regardless. neither of us are insiders. We're just curious because... Uh, you know, these movies are, have been, uh, have been scheduled for a long time. And the last time we checked, they had been at least filmed on schedule, but obviously there are reshoots as well as effects and music to be dealt with. So, you know, sometimes that, uh, uh, adds to, uh, the times need the time needed to finish, you know, to provide a finished product. I've feel like although this this might have been a line in the order of the way they were supposed to come out but i feel like this this is feels like um um they're scaling up in a way because it's like uh, uh as far as confidence is concerned in the movie because we know that first shazam movie did pretty decently we know aquaman did did pretty great the first time uh mm-hmm. that first movie and the flash one's still kind of up and up but that one's kind of it's building up to that to to presumably be a big one because of the what the story is in that 
So Black Adam, that was kind of uh, we don't uh, we don't. Uh, um, and the fact that Shazam two is being pushed to closer to Christmas, which the first one was, I believe, was around Christmas. I don't know if they're going to do the same thing. It doesn't matter. It still kind of makes somewhat sense there for some strange reason. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not mad at any of these being pushed because I wasn't really like I said, Aquaman two. I wouldn't be surprised about. I finally saw that first Shazam movie. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, Flash at this point, I can kind of give or take, but I'm you know because of dude. But um, mm-hmm. um, outside of that, I'm, I'm kind of curious about what's going to happen with uh, with a couple of those movies. No, don't know about you. So anyway, no, it's you know it's all right. You know I'm not real. I I don't know what to make of these movies, so that's why I, I kind of left it at that. Yeah. Apparently, this article says there's a couple of Willy Wonka movies. Uh, there's a new Willy Wonka movie that got pushed. Who cares? And the Meg number two. Why are they making another one of those? Anyway, um, next up. Uh, excuse me. Uh, hey, guess what, folks? Batman came out this weekend and uh, did pretty well. Right. So we did not go into movie protocol last week, but I did eventually make my way to see it. Yes. And I can tell everyone, and minor spoilers here, so I'm going to ring the spoiler bell for the Batman. So spoilers incoming in three, two, one. So we all know that the movie is long. It's really three hours. It really is three hours. The problem is it doesn't have to be. And if you listen to any other podcast leading up to this, uh, leading up to our show, you've heard people complain about the length. And they, I, are, you know, in my opinion, they are not wrong. This movie could have been two and a half hours, even two minutes, two hours and twenty minutes, because. There, there are a lot. There's a lot of excess. I think uh, Matt Reeves could have trimmed off this. I think it was a good attempt at a, a new take on the Batman. I feel like that last hour and the last 45 minutes specifically is where I struggled with some of the choices he made and where the story ended up going. Um, if you felt like the movie reminded you the if you felt like the batman movie in the trailers reminded you of uh fincher's seven with brad pitt and morgan mm. freeman guess what you are right because that is a gigantic influence on this movie interesting uh so um you know i thought that was when the movie was at its best i think the movie was at its worst in the last 45 minutes when for whatever reasons, they decided to make the decisions they made and they went in the directions that they went. So it wasn't great. It definitely is along the lines of Batman Begins because I always thought that last act of Batman Begins was really weak. Uh, but, um, but you know, a lot of people liked the movie. And, uh, you know, as Roddy Cat mentioned, oh, no, he's about to mention. Did you, you, you haven't read the next story yet, right? Uh, not yet. Go ahead. But- well, I was going to say a couple of this, because like we talked before the show, was that, uh, yeah, the length of it kind of, I've, I'm going with it my It scared dreams. off everyone else on the panel. There, well, there was that too, yes. Uh, but also, it felt like, uh, I think, as I said before the show, sounds like um, it's lengthy in the way that the Snyder Cut was lengthy and probably could have done with some cuts, but did not get. I know that's going to draw the ire of the Snyder Cut, folks. I don't care. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds, I have not seen it, uh, the Batman myself, so I don't know. But the way Agent uh, 7 has described it, it sounds like that is, that sounds like that's the case. It is Matt Reeves' uh, Snyder Cut. I guess, I, I just felt like there's just a lot of story. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like the Snyder Cut, <sighs> the Snyder Cut was, uh, gosh, I don't even want to revisit <laughs> that, to be honest. I'd rather just move on. That's fair. Uh, yeah, just uh, just uh, talk about the story because it's an interesting t- it's an interesting tidbit on the money. Well, that was been. okay. Well, yeah. So I I will say that. Well, yeah. So to, to finish off the story, the uh, the numbers were is one hundred twenty eight point five million domestically, and the final total came to be one hundred thirty four million after a budget after a Sunday's performance. That's obviously it did pretty good. Sounds like it's did better than expected. Um, uh, I guess surprise to no surprise. Uh, but next up, uh, the Batman. Well, I would say, no, no, I, I was going to say, um, you know, I was about to say, I'll take the, the next story. Okay. Sure. But just to, just to talk about the money, um, before an opening movie in what's probably going to be the first of a trilogy, or at least what, what what's the, what's the, the term for a, a, a two film sequence? Is it duology? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, Let's just say it's the first of probably, you know, the first Batman, the, the first Batman movie for, from Matt Reeves with sequels likely to come. Sure. Right. And, you know, I guess it performed OK. The three hour length probably knocked out an extra showing at a movie theater. Mm. You know, I think it's tough to compare this to No Way Home opening because no way home opened to 260 million dollars you know that's not you know that you know for for the third movie which is like the culmination of several movies including all the avengers movies that's a little that's not yeah yeah, exactly that's not is that's not that's not a fair comparison that's what i was that's what i was getting at wait somebody actually made that comparison no but i think people have you know anecdotally to me Gotcha. Asked me, you know, so how did this how did this stack up to the 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 box office of uh, No Way Home? I said that's not fair, right? I got you because this is just the first. This is the first of uh, the first of what's probably going to be uh, a couple Batman movies from Matt Reeves. So you know, people want to hear a little bit of word of mouth. They know what they're getting with No Way Home, and with some of the spoilers, they wanted the stuff that was coming out in No Way Home, right? So yeah, I feel like but, they're gonna, uh, at the very least going to try for a trilogy. Um, whether we, you know, we definitely know there's a second one coming uh, or mm-hmm. potentially coming, but yeah, well, I feel like they're going to try for a trilogy. Just kind of go ahead and do that out like normal. Right. Right. So, okay. All right. So in, in up news to the opening of the Batman, uh, one of the two HBO max spinoff series based on the Batman will directly connect to the infamous Arkham Asylum. Speaking to the Toronto Sun, director Matt Reeves teased that fans can expect to see more of the sinister Gotham landmark. When asked what his plans are following the release of the highly anticipated film The Batman, Reeves noted that while one of the spin-off series will focus on Colin Farrell's Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. The Penguin, and the other is more mysterious. He says, quote, we're doing The Penguin series and we're doing another series that connects to Arkham, unquote. 
And uh, that's a, a vague description. It's the first time any kind of information on the second planned HBO Max series has been formally revealed. I think the rumor was that it was going to be a GCPD series, right, right. but it looks like it's been uh, 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 converted into an Arkham Asylum uh, series, which I think is going to be better because we. I think there's already been the Gotham TV show, which was kind of more of a GCPD-centric story, which I never watched. I did, uh, which brings us to the next story. Uh, if you're, unless you're, you got something else, to, yeah, right. I mean, I, I would just say that in terms of the overall movie, I, I, I had a good time watching it, but that last forty-five minutes to an hour was tough. You know, I appreciated, uh, believe it or not, I actually appreciated uh, Pattinson's work, and Zoe Kravitz was pretty good. I, you know, I don't think they gave her enough to do, and there's some plot point holes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Where where I I was kind of scratching my head like well, how did she get here why is she back here what what's been going on you know so um, you know I'm I'm looking forward to when I can discuss this with Roddy Cat and find out what he thinks about it. Uh, next up, well, that was hopefully perfectly timed. Uh, so yeah, um, going off of what um, Agent Seventy just said in the in that article, there are the first details of the the Batman Penguin spinoff which we don't necessarily need to go into because that's pretty much what it is. Colin Farrell is going to be back playing the Penguin um, uh, uh, in his own show. Uh, so going back to what I was going to, what I was alluding to, like, or alluding off of what Agent 70 said, we already got Gotham. And that pretty much, well, I don't know how it ended up, but that kind of went the way of not only being a GCPD story, but kind of... Uh, uh, setting up the penguin. Now, yes, it's kind of a different version of the penguin, but there's been several different versions of the of the penguin. I feel like we. I basically said we feel like I feel like we kind of got whatever this is going to be in Gotham. I don't know. They, I'm sure they're going to be different, and I have not seen the the Batman to know how different uh, this penguin is from what the uh, the Gotham version of penguin is. Still, doesn't seem necessary. But what do I know? Next up, um, I'll just go ahead and take this one. Um, Gotham Knights pilot cast Carrie Kelly, Duella Dent, and more. Uh, so yeah, the, D, the CW Gotham Knights pilot uh, has been a, has officially found its leads. Uh, it was announced that Olivia Rose Keegan of uh, certain things and Navia uh, Robinson and Oscar Morgan have all joined the the project, which is expected to produ- uh, to begin production next month. Keegan will play the anti-hero uh, a- a Duelic Dent, which is aka the Joker's daughter. Uh, Robinson will play a fan will play um, Carrie Kelly, and uh, Morgan will play an originally created character named Turner Hayes. Uh, they joined previously announced cast members Fallon Smythe as Harper Rowe. And Tyler uh, DiChiara as Colin Rowe. Um, so yeah, if you know those characters, this maybe it's some. I think I saw Tim uh, tweeting on uh, uh, um, on Twitter saying that he's probably more interested in the show because of I guess, because of this casting because of these castings, I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good for Tim. I'm I'm glad that he likes it. Um, you know, I have two things to say about this. One, when I hear the Gotham Knights uh, title, all I can think of is Gotham Knights, unlike Gotham Days. 
Um, okay. Yeah, that's a bad Aladdin reference, right? And two, um, this is yet another, yet another CW show I am not going to watch. Yeah. Speaking of uh, CW shows, Naomi, I believe, is back, and I totally forgot that it was back. I think it came back a couple, couple of weeks ago. Uh, maybe try to catch up on that, and uh, along with reading whatever story. Next up, Titans. All right. Oh, wait, yeah, I was about to say, sorry. wait, I think you. I got this one. Yeah, this is you. Sorry. It's okay. So Titans season four, right? Goodness gracious. They renewed this. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I know people like the dark, gritty, grim, grown up Titan stuff, but this ain't for me, but people (laughs) seem to like it. Titan season four has been uh, in the works for a while. And the official episode count is now out in a post in a post to social media by uh, Titans director, Boris uh, Majofsky. And it's going to run for a for twelve episodes, a dozen episodes, according to the director. So he shared some behind the scenes photos in a post to Instagram, and he said in a comment, in a reply to a comment, that the uh, episode count is going to be twelve. So they are working on it as we speak. Uh, prep starts actually for a season four, so it's in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised actually that the Doom Patrol is also still going on show as far as I know. So that's interesting, I guess. Anywho, next up, Holly Quinn showrunner shares big season three update. Um, apparently they just finished their first audio mix for the upcoming season. Call your friends. He says it's happening. It's happening. I've not seen any of the show. <laughs> I hear good things or and actually I've seen things. I don't good or bad. I've seen things on online to put it that way. Um, so yeah, Schumacher, Patrick Schumacher, I guess who's the showrunner, revealed in 2021 that recording have officially 2021. That recording have officially begun on at uh, season three. Okay, sure. Um, first look at season three was unveiled a few months later during the Easy Fandom, including voiceover and unfinished animation. Da 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 da. Okay, so yeah, sounds like they're well on their way to the season three stuff. Next. So, spoilers for the season 7 finale of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, because in the episode, a star exits the Arrowverse series in this season 7 finale. Spoilers, 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 if you happen to be a fan of DC's Legends of Tomorrow and have not yet watched uh, the season 7 finale, because there is a big departure. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't know who it is. I don't care. Oh, I do no. know who Shot, it is. Shots yeah. fired. I do know who it is based on this article. That's the only reason I have this information. Right. I, I know who it is because I, I that this person was on the show when I last watched it, which was probably a good three seasons, three, four seasons ago. Oh, my gosh. Um, in fact, yeah, I think four, four seasons were where I kind of uh, got off of it because of uh, the crossover and some changes and whatnot i'm looking at this uh image if you're watching the video version of this you can see the article uh i'm looking at this uh this uh this image they have in the article i don't know if this is the cast uh current cast but if it is i only recognize one person in this character because i know there's some people that's that's come and gone off of this thing um a couple of times and we know uh donald Faison uh, just joined the cast Spoiler alert. 
uh, he's booster goal at the end of, in the same episode. So, you know, somebody leaves, somebody gets replaced. And that's kind of been a thing in this show for a good while. Um, so, but if this is the cast, like I said, I only know one person and that's like the, the, the person who's been there for the longest time. (laughs) So that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah. Okay. I I still maintain that show's fun, but even though I haven't really, you know, it's kind of silly. Not silly, but it's it's fun. Uh, but I haven't watched it in a while, so maybe that's changed. Next up, um, Rosario Dawson's DMZ sets uh, HBO Max premiere date with the first trailer. So we kind of found out that uh, DMZ, um, which is apparently a Disney, uh, not Disney, uh, a DC uh, comics uh, graphic novel. Uh, somewhere I don't know anything about it, but uh, it's starring um, Rosaria Dawson. Yeah, it's based on a DC Vertical comic series by Brian Wood and Ricardo uh, Bracciali. You uh, never that. saw it on the stands in the comic book store? I don't. I may have, but I've never picked it up or looked at it. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, it had a very striking cover, right? You know, um, like seeing the the three letters DMZ. You know, in very big block letters was very striking to me. I never picked up the book, but I I had an idea of what the story was. And unfortunately, it's very timely. Right. Yeah. It says here that it focuses on the demilitarized Manhattan on a demilitarized Manhattan following the second a second American Civil War. Um, It's coming from producer Eva DuVernay, Paul Garns and Roberto Patino, uh, the letter of whom is the series creator. So, yeah. And we have a date of arrival for March 17th, which is next week. So, yeah, there you go. Next up. Next up. So, in some sad news, I mean, for those who uh, subscribe to Paramount Plus, it probably doesn't mean a thing. But uh, Star Trek, the next generation, is leaving Netflix very soon. In an article written by our very own at TimDog98. So, um... In, uh, let's see here. So the Trek Core Twitter account um, shared a screenshot from the Star Trek The Next Generation homepage on Netflix. And the page states that the last day to watch the show on Netflix is April 1st in the United States. So uh, as expected, the Star Trek franchise is rapidly consolidating towards becoming a Paramount Plus exclusive. And... Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of that, but at the same time, you know, hey, boo! Boo! at the same time, I understand, but also in tandem with that, there's always a chance that it comes back to Netflix at some point, because I noticed that I think Batman Begins and The Dark Knight came over to um or are coming over to Netflix for a brief time, so it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't count out uh, possibly going, you know, uh, things going back and forth. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, and granted, this could also change. No, I guess not. Oh, wait. So, yeah. So, OK. So from what I'm seeing, yeah, I thought it was on Hulu also, but apparently that's not the case. Or, and I thought it was on Hulu and uh, Amazon, but I guess that that's probably not the case. Um I mean, yeah, it, it it makes some sense um, because they're trying to consolidate all that stuff. And I mean, hell, what else is there to watch on Paramount Plus outside of Star Trek stuff? And there's a load of that. And well, maybe some 
other CBS, uh, excuse me, some Viacom properties, uh, Paramount right. Viacom properties. Right. That you if you're one of those this. people that likes that show Yellowstone, I think that's on Paramount Plus. Yeah, or some old BET stuff or, or whatever the hell is on there. It's kind of funny because I saw um, there was a um, an ad for uh, a Paramount Plus that had a show that's not even on there anymore, which is that All Rise show with uh, Simone Missick. And I was like, that show's not even on there anymore. None of it, because it's on Hulu now. So I don't... It's like, it's like they might need. To is that show still going on? I think so. I'm not sure. I know there's a CBS show, but I'm not sure if it's still going on because I don't watch really live TV that much. But, um, gotcha. But I believe there was like three seasons, or is three seasons, something like that. Maybe two, three seasons. So I guess it is still going on, or was. Um... Shout out to Simone Missing. So yeah, so like I said, yeah, bad news if you're if you're watching uh, Next Generation on any place other than Paramount Plus. Good, I mean, if you already got, chances are, if you are enough of a Trek fan, you probably got this stuff on DVD or Blu-ray, <laughs> so you don't care either. Um, and you can watch it anytime you want. So, um, other Trek news actually. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds trailer was just was also released uh, this week, uh, Wednesday to be exact. Uh, it is a 10 episode first season and it's going to de- debut on Paramount Plus on May the 5th, which, as I said earlier with uh, Star Trek um, Picard, well, actually, so this is going to be on, starting on May 5th, which I guess the last episode of Picard is going to be uh, after that. Uh, or around, so they're going to start, so this is going to start when Picard is ending, or around the time we start talking to this. If you don't know anything about this show, it is basically, I guess, technically it's kind of a spin-off to Discovery, because it's like uh, uh, Captain Pike uh, 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 with the Enterprise in the early days, but after Enterprise, the show, <laughs> and before uh, the TOS when you know we find out that Pike's uh, gets uh, almost critically not critically injured but injured enough to where he's out of uh, commission uh, so yeah I guess this is the con- continuing versions of that so it's him Rebecca, Ro- Rebecca Romaine who I believe was also in Discovery for a second uh, and Ethan Peck as uh, Spock which I think also was in Discovery so yeah this is definitely a Discovery spinoff um uh, yeah, but in the early days of the Enterprise. So, cool. Next up. Next up in more, and no pun intended, who news? Psst. Doctor Who prepares to give the thirteenth Doctor an epic farewell. Jodie Whittaker is due to leave Doctor Who in a series of specials later this year, and the show's executive producer promises that she will have a worthy exit. As well as Whitaker showrunner Chris Chibnall and executive producer Matt Strevens will also be leaving the show. The final story is a massive feature-length epic. It was huge to shoot with lots of surprises for fans of all ages. Jody gets a really good send-off. Uh, I think it will push everybody's buttons according to uh, Strevens. Let's see if there's a date on this. It just says later this year in the article. Uh, right. So right now, actually, it says here the Doctor Who special Legend of the Sea Devils airs this spring on BBC One, UK and BBC America. But I guess the finale is going to be later this year. 
Yeah, that's kind of usually how they how they um, how they play that. So okay, cool. Uh, the boy star Anthony Starr arrested, given sent, uh, suspended prison sentence. So it says uh, Anthony Starr from the Boys has been arrested and given. He got served twelve months for assaulting a chef in Spain, according to the Daily Mail. Um, he was working on a project with Guy Ritchie when he ran into some trouble. Isn't that always the way? Uh, while in Costa Blanca, the actor punched uh, some dude in a pub. Um, the chef explained that he was struck twice and had a glass smashed in his face, like some like a, like some old movie western. That is my editorialization, not 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 this article's. Um, uh, Star got thrown out, but uh, the um, but apparently the situation got ramped up. Uh, long story short, um, sound like dude uh, did a do, do you know who I am um, situation. And, and somebody said Zach Morris. Oh no, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's who I always thought he looked like. He kind of. But does. I've heard other people say otherwise. I'm like, no, he does, man. He kind of does. No, I can see it. I, I can totally see it. Is that? Uh, yeah, no, I can totally see it. You're right. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like his prison sentence was being suspended on the condition that he doesn't commit another crime in two years. Boy, it must be nice to be white. Um. It's true, and, and I was going to say, and an actor of some repute, sure. some repute. Yes, um, but yeah, that's the thing. I guess he's going to be still on the show more than likely, and this is just whatever. That's yeah. Next up, <laughs> yeah, pretty much my reaction to that news as well. So next up, so I don't know if you've watched any of the diabolical um, animated. I've not shorts. any of the boys, including so, this. So I watched like the first couple just out of curiosity. I was like, eh, I can get back to this if I really need to. Mm-hmm. But apparently I might have to fast forward to the last one. So the boys' Diabolicals finale is canon and connects to season three. So uh, the boys' Diabolical has an unexpected tie-in with the boys' season three, plus a final episode that is canon to the flagship show. In a recent interview with Variety, the boys' showrunner Eric Kripke shared more details about how the boys' animated spinoff is connected to Amazon's mainline series. So he detailed, he revealed that Diabolical has a canonical tie-in to the boys' season three, which will give audiences a deeper understanding of the next season before it's released on Prime Video in June. And, all right, so there's some setup here. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, it has some. It's a. It's an episode with a bit of Homelander backstory. So I guess I'll be skimming this. I mean, I watched. I was like, eh, it's, you know, I I didn't have the patience for the 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 blood splatter and gore, which everyone loves with the boys. You know. Hmm. However, Invincible a okay. Yeah. Which bring that back? Hopefully, well, I know the, uh, we already talked that they're, they're at some point they're going to start on that. We don't know. Um. Next up, though, Maggie and Negan. Uh, getting Walking Dead TV show uh, because they definitely got to ring that that franchise for everything it's worth, according to some people on the internet. Um, but yeah, sounds like uh, it's going to be set in zombie-infested New York. If you don't know where The Walking Dead was, The Walking Dead is about at this point. I don't know what, what's, what's wrong with you. Um, it's because you know what it's based off of. Uh, let's see, it says here that uh, Lauren Cohen stars as Maggie. 
for, formerly of the Hilltop, and uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is reprising his role as Negan, uh, the former leader of the Villainous Saviors, who has since uh, formed a parental bond with Lydia, the daughter of the Whisperer leader Alpha. I don't know what anything that means, because I've never watched or read The, the Walking Dead. But, uh, yeah, there's another show. I don't even know if the other show, the other spinoff show is still going on. But, hey, more Walking Dead for those who want it. Next. Anime mm. Corner! Oh, we are in the anime corner of the show. So that means I should pull up something appropriate. And I promised to get some more uh, audio clips to supplement the two that I've been using. So first up, Jujutsu Kaisen and My Hero Academia creators share their love for Dr. Stone, which is another anime and manga. So give me a second to get this open. I hear good things about that one. Uh... So multiple Shonen Jump manga authors release messages praising the Dr. Stone manga and congratulating its creators for completing the series. So uh, in Viz Media's latest roundup of messages from Shonen Jump manga, manga authors, the creators of uh, several of the aforementioned popular manga series, including Black Clover, um, got together to express their love for writer Riichiro Inagaki and artist Boichi's sci-fi adventure, Dr. Stone, which concluded its serialization on March 7th. Uh, quote, I was overwhelmed by the passion, by the passion every week. Inagaki sensei and Boichi sensei, congratulations, wrote Jujutsu Kaisen creator Gege Akutami, My Hero Academia author Kohei Horikoshi. Uh, who previously used the column to recommend his new favorite movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, mm. no surprise there, offered <laughs> similar praise for Dr. Stone. He, he wrote, constantly in a state of being excited, thank you so much, Inagaki-sensei and Boichi-sensei, unquote, Hori- Horikoshi said. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I have heard some some pretty good things about Dr. Stone. I'm probably going to check it out at some point. Uh, science-based uh, anime manga, you know, so, yeah. Cool beans. Next up, uh, Dragon Ball Super. Actually, I think I'm going to take both of these. Uh, this next, well, this. No, never mind. No, I'll stick to this one. Dragon Ball Super um, shares a, a new look at Broly's comeback. I thought it was Broly with two L's, but I might be probably wrong. Someone's going to boo me for that. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think some people say Broly. I don't know which it is. I don't care. Uh, Dragon Ball Super promises to, it uh, promises it will show fans a new side of Gohan and Piccolo, but the pair won't be the only ones going to war. Uh, everyone from Goku to Vegeta have their hands busy when Dragon Ball Super Superhero goes live. Even Broly, who um, will be getting in on the action, and we begin a close-up at the Saiyan's return. Uh, the update was nestled within the movie's new trailer, and to say it was brief, but uh, puts things lightly. Sure, I might have rushed that sentence, but that's fine. During one scene in the trailer, blah, 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 blah. You know what? There's a close-up of Brawly in here. You can see that uh, if you go to the show notes, you can check out the uh, the image, which you can see on the... the um, uh, if you're watching the video version, I'm sure there's a trailer that I missed uh, on that. I just want to see the thing. Actually, I actually even if I watched it right now, I'd because I still haven't watched uh, Super, 
well, finished watching Super, so I'm behind. <laughs> uh, but it says here that uh, Brawler looks the same as he did in uh, uh, Dragon Ball Super Brawly movie, so fans don't have to worry about any design changes. He's got a scar, blah, 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 blah. Hey, guess what? It's Brawly. Brawly, 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 all over the place. Next. Love it. So, uh, Spy X Family's Tatsuya Endo follows up the release of his Dragon Ball anniversary cover by releasing a sketch of one of Goku's original antagonists. Uh, so, the art of Dragon Ball's Emperor Pilaf. Oy. Just a day after Endo's entry into the Dragon Ball Super Gallery project was released, the acclaimed manga author uh, Tatsuya Endo also released a sketch of Emperor Pilaf and his followers, the dog ninja Shu and the technologically inclined Mai, through his personal Twitter account. So, uh, Roddy Cat may have that up. Mm-hmm. Pilaf, oi. Yeah, yeah. It, it always tripped me out when, especially, um, was it Reservation of Freeza? No, it wasn't Reservation of Freeza. Um, uh, Battle of Z, one of those where they got de-aged. I'm sitting here like, why bring this character? Yeah, this character? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, why keep this character? These characters around. They serve their purposes. They didn't need to come back, and now you've just de-aged them so they could just be be around for. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They, they were comic relief, to say the least. Because I think they did have a small role in Reservation of uh, Frieza, also, but that's neither here nor there. It had nothing to do with this, but um, it does have to do with next one's story is uh, Spy... Actually, I don't know how to pronounce this. Is it Spy X Family, Spy Time Family, or Spy Family? I know some people go the whole hunter-hunter route. I, I again, don't care. Um, mm-hmm. Spy X Family or Spy Times Family uh, uncovers new art ahead of anime's premiere. Um, so, yeah. The new art uh, depicts the dual nature of the series' uh, main protagonist, the three members of the Forger family. Uh, while they appear to be a normal, happy family at first glance, a reflection that shows their true identities is seen below. Um, and it kind of goes into, this article kind of goes into the description of, of the uh, of, of the image uh, therein. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this series. I've, I've heard good things about it. I don't know if there's a manga about it. I guess there was, because apparently it says here that, um, yes, there was a manga and it was in Shonen Jump Plus. Uh, uh, and I was looking for when this anime is coming out, which I think is April. I think that sounds about right. Um, oh, the, it will, the, see ya. new poster confirms that, uh, the anime adaptation will premiere in Japan on April 9th. Uh, Crunchyroll previously announced that we'll stream the series outside of Japan, though is yet to confirm whether the show will premiere on this platform. Probably be a simulcast if that's the case, so it'll probably be shortly after that, if that's the case. Um, so, there won't be any dubbing, so yay. <laughs> at least I had this, uh, at this point. Next up. Next up... Uh, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans will return to Japanese TV with a special edition broadcast featuring a new animation and music. So Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans is returning to Japanese TV. The official Twitter account for the series announced a brand new special edition broadcast of the beloved anime series. The new cut of the series will condense its story down from 50 episodes to just nine. 
Despite the reduced runtime, the new broadcast is set to feature, quote, new animation cuts, uh, though the announcement does not clarify if these will be entirely new scenes or reanimated versions of previous content. The abridged version of the story will concentrate primarily on the mercenary group Tekaden and or Takaden and its members. The new release will also feature a new opening sequence and theme song, Blaze, which is performed by the Japanese rock band Man With A Mission. Going to make a change, are you? Um, <laughs> Iron-Blooded Orphans originally premiered in 2015 and is the 14th entry in anime studio Sunrise and Bandai's genre-defining Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. Yeesh. It seems like it's been more than that, but then again, I guess that's you're counting newer entries and not like remakes and shit like that. So mm-hmm. I have never finished uh, Iron Blooded Organ or uh, or, or Organs Iron Blooded Orphans because it felt like it was kind of slow. It started off kind of slow, but I may go back and finish it. I do love me some good Gundam stuffs. Uh, Gonna make a change. So silly. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, Demon Slayer. Uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba third anniversary festival releases flashy new visual. So yeah, uh, the latest arc of Demon Slayer may have come to a close, but it's not stopping the boom boom Mugen train from trucking <laughs> along uh, with the next big thing for the franchise being a two-day Demon Slayer festival uh, anime third anniversary celebrations set for April sixteenth and seventeenth to celebrate the event. The key visual was released today. Uh, featuring all the lead slayers and the two main Hashira looking as flashy as always. And bada ba 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 da ba ba. Oh, Ringoku's on here. God damn it. Don't do that. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Wait, so you finished, you finished Demon finish. Slayer, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. The anime, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was kind of slightly um, curious about trying to find the, the uh, manga somewhere, but you know, at this point, I'm more anime focused on certain things mm-hmm. um but yeah it goes this article goes on to say that yeah the the latest arc the entertainment district arc uh began airing on japanese tv on december 5th and streamed on Crunchyroll shortly after like i said simulcast um it's all on Crunchyroll and uh, the staff at Uf- ufo table which is the production company behind it will will return for the South Smith Village arc, as we have previ- uh, we have um, talked about previously, um, and the cast reprising their roles, but there's no date uh, confirmed for it yet. Right. So yeah. Still All right. Waiting. So we're gonna transition over to some comic book news, folks. Yes, but somehow still managed to uh, get to stay into anime corner uh jump festa announces first ever international panels uh streams for one piece uh my hero academia baruto and more so uh publisher shueisha inc is offering international fans the, the chance to finally watch panels from its shonen jump focused jump festival convention for the first time in the event's history 
Um, let's see. For the first time ever, Jump Festival will pro- provide archived footage of their annual event for international fans to enjoy. Jump Festa 22 took place in Tokyo December uh, 18th and 19th, 2021. I do remember when that happened because I think we did talk about some news that came out of it. Uh, and hosted a variety of panels revolving around the, the magazine's most popular titles, including the aforementioned My Hero Academia, One Piece, Boruto, uh, etc., etc. Fifteen panels from Jump Festa 22 will be available for global streaming through the Shonen, Shonen Jump's official YouTube channel from March 7th which, uh, hey, guess what? It's right there. It's uh, now, folks. It's available now, yeah. Yep, uh, at 7 a.m. PST until March 21st um, at seven uh, at basically 8 o'clock PST um, in the a.m., by the way. The pre- presentations will be available with uh, English subtitles, and despite the international popularity of many of these series, official live streams and recordings from the event were previously IP-locked. That's right. That is true. I do remember that also, hearing about that. Mm-hmm. And it were only accessible to fans located within Japan, or unless you had a VPN and knew where to look. Uh, so, yeah. There is that. Enjoy that, folks. Next up. Alrighty. Uh, next up. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R announced for ps5 and ps4 so this is one of the world's most popular anime franchises and it's coming to playstation hold on i'm getting the article up now (laughs) all right scrolling 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 uh wednesday state of play presentation saw a new trailer for a new anime fighter JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, for those who have followed the anime's long-running story, brace yourselves because it looks like everybody is here. Uh, the game is being developed by the anime, uh, by the anime adaptation specialist at CyberConnect2, which most recently put together Demon Slayer, Kometsu no Yaiba, The Hinokami Chronicles. So this fighting game will feature a massive roster of 50 characters, all from different story arcs, and all with their original Japanese voice actors. Okay. And they'll all be drawn out to resemble the original art style of series creator Hiro, uh, Hirohiko Araki. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, you know, you can expect to see a revamped fighting system that allows for new combos as well as mechanics like hit stops and a support attack tag system. So kind of Street Fighter-ish. Kind of. So basically, uh, this is a remake of a PS3 version of the same game with an updated roster. So they're adding everybody that came in after that, including like Jolene, which is from the last, uh, the the protagonist of the last uh, JoJo series. Uh, And of course, like it says here, the scumbag Dio, because it is I, Dio, Dio. It looks good. I was watching that state of play, um, and yeah, there's there was a little bit of excitement uh, about that. Um, looks like early fall 2022. So yeah, looks like it's, uh, it looks good. And CyberConnect Two, yeah, uh, has you know you know them from if you know your gaming things from uh, those uh, 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 Ninja Storm, uh, Naruto Ninja Storm uh, games also, and um, uh, Asura's Wrath. So yeah. So, you know, they know what they're doing with that kind of stuff. Um, I will go as far as to say, so I don't have to put this in next week's uh, outline. There's also was in uh, a Gundam. Uh, P- uh, there's a 
free-to-play Gundam game that also was shown during that state of play, and it looks like it's a, I think it's a, they said a six-on-six um, uh, shooter, but with Gundams. So have at that. I do love me some Gundams, but not PvP. So you're you're on your own on that one. Next up, though, uh, the very first part we're now officially getting into uh, the comic book um, um, news. Uh, with uh, the very first Power Rangers were portrayed likely well, was were likely portrayed by their closest ally. Uh, so it says here, this is a spoiler for Power Rangers Universe number three, which is already out. Uh, I haven't been keeping up with this Power Rangers stuff because there's a lot. Um, but uh, Power Rangers Universe has brought fans all the way back to the beginning of the Mighty Morphin story to the very first time the Morphin Masters tapped into the power of the grid themselves. Cutting a whole lot of that, it sounds like the Phantom, the future Phantom Ranger may have portrayed his allies without even realizing it. Um, and this article kind of goes into that whole story of that issue. So, uh, if you've, if you've been keeping up with those books and haven't read this, that will be a spoiler, which I will not spoil for you because I have not, and I have no idea what's going on next. So in some interesting news, and I guess this is, uh, part of the April solicits that did the April solicits come out already? They are, right? Yes, they should have, because I think we got May. Um, All right, so uh, Marvel unveils the first look at the deadliest Hulk ever, Meet Titan. Um, Marvel Comics released Alex Malev's variant cover of for, for Hulk number six by Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley. Billed as the climax of the first arc of Cates and Otley's run, Hulk number six sees... Bruce Banner losing control over Starship Hulk, which allows a new threat called Titan to emerge. You can see Malev's cover for Hulk uh, alongside the solicitation information uh, on the webpage that Roddy Cat is sharing. And all I can say is... I mean, really? Are you saying there is going to be an attack on Titan? I think I might have been hinting at that. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think so. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, next up, so Spider-Man trailer prefa- pre- prepares Peter for the chaotic new status quo. Uh, alluded to this earlier. Um, when we're talking about um, Amazing Spider-Man, so yeah, there's a trailer for the for the uh, the the next um, volume of Amazing Spider-Man, and it sounds like it's uh, the question is what did Spider-Man do? Which is the question of the year in this trailer. Um, it says here in an effect in an effort to get fans excited for the Web Slingers' next adventure, the company has put out a new um, advertisement for Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr.'s upcoming series. Um, which actually reminds me of something I need to show you, Agent Seventy, uh, if you've if you if you haven't seen it. Um, uh, the trailer pulse pounding. The trailer's pulse pounding atmosphere indicates that the days ahead are going to be anything but pleasant for Peter Parker. When are they really? <laughs> it's the story um, of Spider Man. Go on. Right. Yeah. Like, like it's always something with Peter. Come on. Um, 
Basically, it says here there's a uh, there's a new direction for Spider Man is on the horizon, not necessarily having to do with the Horizon uh, Company, uh, right. uh, but a new trailer shows the next chapter of his life may be one of his darkest yet, as opposed to the last couple. Uh, this is me editorializing again uh, in a new video posted by Marvel Comics dark tones ring out and painful screams are heard as glimpses of, of Peter Parker in Torment flash on screen the question what did Spider-Man do is slowly asked after each unsettling frame um, and it kind of goes on from there so if you want to watch the trailer you can ch- check it out in the show notes if you so inclined to next Oh, wait. Okay, um, as long as it's far, far away from Ben Riley. Yeah, um, April 6, 2022 is when Amazing Spider-Man number one going, is going to be released. It's coming out soon. Like I, you know, like we were saying earlier, we we're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Actually, we kind of skipped this next one because I, I kind of mentioned it already. Um, yeah. Oh, in this week's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you talked about this in this week's Spider Gwen, Gwenverse number one. Okay. Yeah, so we can kind of. Uh, Let me pull up the following article. Uh, Okay, get this open. All right, it is opening up. The X Men's Emma Frost is throwing a second Hellfire Gala. Uh, Emma Frost is busy planning the second gala on the island of Krakoa, and she's determined not to let anyone stand in her way of doing so. Uh, Marvel announced that the upcoming Immortal X-Men number four will feature a storyline that follows Emma Frost as she begins to make plans for a second Hellfire Gala. Uh, writer Kieran Gillen teams up with artist Michelle Bandini for a Hellfire Gala story ripe with drama, revelations, and betrayal from a shocking uninvited guest in Immortal X-Men number four. So I guess they're going to do another X-Men election at the next Hellfire Gala as well. Yeah, that's yeah, because I think we talked about it before where they were possibly trying to make that an annual thing. Right. So it sounds like that that's the case. Uh, this cover is something. <laughs> I mean, that might be the variant. That might be. Oh, is that the main cover? It uh, might be the main cover. Think, Imagine if that's the main cover and not the variant. Shout out to Mark Brooks. Um, yeah, that works. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't know. No, I think. Uh, um, no, where? No, that's it. Yeah, that's Immortal uh, X Men. Yeah, that's the Immortal X Men title. Yeah, the the, the, yeah. Fu- the cover that's right below when you scroll is for the main X Men title. Right. So yeah, I guess that might be the uh, the main cover. So we don't know. I wonder if, you know what's funny? I wonder if all they're ever going to give that main X-Men title is like 12 issues and then re-elect the next group. That sounds logical. Yeah. That sounds like something they do. Because um, those, those councils sounds like something, well, it's not necessarily similar up to, uh, to something they're doing in those Infinity comics, but that's just them like having different things for different arcs, but keeping the keeping the uh, thing going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that, again, that sounds logical. We'll see if that's exactly the case. Um, I guess I'll take these two. <laughs> um, much to dirt chagrin, one of Marge- Marvel's yeah, most funny. powerful villains, the Beyonder, uh, returns for a new Defenders story. Uh, yeah, so the Defenders will face off against the Beyonder. I know there are some young folks in the crowd who don't necessarily know what the, who the Beyonder is. Probably have never read Secret Wars 1 or 2. 
Uh, you can probably do it without reading too, because holy heck. Um, anywho, um, and has, despite what it sounds, has nothing to do with the Beyond Corpor- Corpor- uh, Corporation, as I originally thought, reading uh, uh, Next Wave. <laughs> so yeah, so, but the... the Beyonder was a, a cosmic character uh, from the 80s, one of the big ones. He's the, the pretty much the catalyst of the, the, the secret war, the, the original two secret wars, uh, not the 2015 one. Had nothing to do with that one. Um, or, I guess, the one before it either, huh? Wait, how many secret wars has there even been? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, There's been three. Well, four if you count the, the, uh, the Bendis one. Yeah, I was about to say. Well, yeah, ooh. I don't know if I count that one, though. Well, if you if if you're just thinking of like traditional Secret War style, right. then there's Secret Wars one and two, one and two, and then, and then there's the Hickman Secret Wars. Right. Because yeah, because I think Bendis's was like uh, like a shield. Yeah, it was thing. a spy story. Yeah. So I'm not sure if, there, and I, I and I vaguely remember even reading that one, so I I can't really say one. Regardless, I think that was a Secret War as opposed to Secret Wars. I so think, I guess I, I, right. I guess that's how you could exclude it. Right. I think you're right about that. Um, it was a secret war, not the secret wars, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, so yeah, like I said, the Beyonder was a uh, was a you know, yeah was a something, uh, was a big cosmic baddie from back in the eighties. Um, but apparently he's returning because everybody's returning this year, uh, for one reason or another. Uh, it says here that Marvel Comics announced that the upcoming run of the Defenders, which will begin in June, will see the heroes face off against an enemy from beyond. Um. Marvel's uh, Twitter account dropped two posters to accompany the announcement, both of which show the character floating in space. I guarantee you, if you're of a certain vintage and you saw one of those posters, you'd be like, you automatically know who this is, mm. who this was, and maybe gave the loudest groan ever. Um, <laughs> so, the the Beyonder was better off when he wasn't actually shown as, as a character. When when the original Secret Wars, I'm like, okay, sure. But the second It was one, just the voice. Yeah, it was exactly. just the voice. Yeah, but when, when Secret Wars 2 came and they, they brought him to Earth and he looks like this if you're watching the video. Um, well, initially, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, initially he took on the form of Steve Rogers. I believe that was In the Secret case. Wars 2. Yes, and then right. his he hair. like picked like the most perfect human specimen he could find. He was like, you know what? I think he watched him. I think the the way the story goes is that he went to 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 visit uh, someone who is familiar with from Secret Wars, mm-hmm. and then noticed that a lot of people reacted to him in a positive way. So he took on the form of uh, Steve Rogers, but then eventually, over the course of that second miniseries, uh, took on a very eighties look. Yes. Um... Probably if Hasselhoff was a little younger and they and the MCU was around, they probably would have gotten him to play the Beyonder. Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, so so that's that's the thing. Boy, I, I, I almost kind of wish we were still doing those um, those uh, Evergreen uh, episodes when, when when books weren't coming around because we probably would have gotten to around to Secret Wars. Oh yeah, absolutely. I actually, I'm kind absolutely. of surprised we didn't do Secret Wars honestly, but. Um, I think that the, the, the pandemic eased up just in time because I think what ended up happening is that we, we covered some of the stuff that we we that both of us were kind of weak on. Right. You know, and I think that was for the better. Well, and some of it was uh, in relation to stuff that was coming out at the time, whether MCU wise or, or otherwise. So mm-hmm. it, so ended up working out that stuff that was coming coming up 
ended up being rel- relative. Right. I mean, you know, our schedules are busy as it, as it is, and we're always on. We're look at how regular we are in terms of our schedule. We are on week after week. We only take off for movie uh, protocol. You know, also knock on wood. Yeah. You know, hopefully, you know, hopefully, myself or Roddy Cat does not have to do a solo show anytime soon. But if we have to take off a week or uh, or, or so, it happens. Ultimately, you know, we're, we're, we we follow a pretty regular schedule. So, um, and that's sometimes all we can um, a lot in our schedule for doing comic book chronicle stuff. But if, but if we are ever able to do some evergreen shows and just talk about, you know. Secret Wars. I think we still have. I you know we we have a there. list somewhere mm-hmm. online, right? Oh, totally, it's still there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. In fact, uh, I said earlier on on, on Twitter um, earlier as we're uh, recording this, uh, Amazon has this thing called book clubs. I'm like, dang, that would have been something that probably would have served us fairly decently back when we were doing those episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably could still do something, just not. It'd be like that Marvel uh, podcast where they were like, but then again, they end up talking about the books. Uh, the the next week, whereas we probably would not, because we read a lot of right. books as, as it is, as Agent Seventy said. Mm-hmm. But recommending us something, I think, to, to book to read, and you know that's that's the thing. Anyway, but like I said, going on to this, uh, back to this uh, Defenders thing, um, and actually, let me just go on to the next story because yeah, we got the Beyonder coming up in this, uh, and also Marvel is um, recruiting two MCU stars to be on the team, apparently. Uh, so this uh, new Defender storyline, which is going to be written by Al Ewing and artist uh, Javier Rodriguez, will recruit uh, to interview uh, stars, as I said, America Chavez and a Loki variant. And excuse me, and it seems like um, I guess that's Agent of Atlas. I'm an Agent of Asgard Loki. I don't know. I don't know. Regardless, uh, following 2021 and 22s, there are no rules arc. Uh, Ewing and Rodriguez are returning to Marvel's Defender with a new Beyond saga that begins in June. Um, we already know who's going to be the big bad behind it. It sounds like the team is going to be made out of Blue Marvel, America Chavez, Taya, who was in that last volume, as I remember, and that is the uh, Mother of Galactus. Uh, I actually read that, now that I think about it. Uh, Tigra and the Loki variant, and uh, yeah. Yep, and I was right. The Agent of Asgard uh, series, which makes sense because Al Ewing wrote that also. So, he's playing with his toys again. Uh, they'll have to uh, assemble to re- defend reality itself. Uh, the mission will take them to the very limits of space and time and beyond it. Ha ha ha. As they can write <laughs> questions few heroes have dared to ask and receive uh, answers no one in the Marvel Universe is prepared for, according to this quote. Uh, there are, there's a title, I mean, excuse me, there is, um, um, looks like what is going to be the cover of, uh, the Defenders Beyond looks like as, um, the new team on one side, uh, and the, uh, uh, a bunch of the old team or, or characters from the old teams, mm-hmm. uh, on the other and yeah. Oh, purely from I was about to say purely from a Marvel Legends perspective, I'm looking at the old Defenders. I'm like, wow, we actually have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. We're just missing Isaac Christians, the the gargoyle, Wait, uh, that that, that version of Moon Dragon. We already have a Nighthawk, um, and that version of Red Guardian, and Wait. and an angel that actually has wings, feathered wings. 
Oh, wait, are you talking, you're talking about Marvel, I'm sorry, you said Marvel Legends. Marvel Legends. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I'm just looking Marvel Legends-wise. I'm like, wow, we actually already have a lot of those. You know, as for the the Defenders roster, we only have Tigra. We don't, obviously don't have that Taya character yet. Uh, And we're getting a Blue Marvel. And we're getting an America Chavez that's movie-based. That's already out, yeah. I've seen that one in stores. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would like a proper America Chavez, but I mean, not saying that was not, but yeah. Uh, yeah. A comic book based one. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, that America Chavez is already in stores. I've seen that one out. Uh, probably have that Loki also, but I don't know. There, I wait, don't, there is a Hellcat. Is there not? Yeah. Okay. That's what I was saying. Like right. when, oh, now you're going to make me open up that page, the, 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 the thing, the image again, we're only missing the moon dragon. We're missing, um, uh, the Isaac Christians. The right. gargoyle. We're right. missing the female Red Guardian mm-hmm. that's in the background. And we're missing an angel that has feathers because the angel that we have is Archangel. Archangel, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody else we actually have already. You know, I may not have them, but you know, uh, they they exist Wait, in uh, Marvel Legends form. We have uh, Brunhilde. What's that? We have that Brunhilde. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She exists. She's she she came out a while ago. She came out in the Hulkbuster wave. So she's uh, been out for a while. Gotcha. I wonder if I have that. Uh, actually, I know I don't know what I have at this point. So you know what? Let's move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a rabbit hole. So yeah, this is starting in June. I'll probably read it. It's Al Ewing. Why not? I read that last one. It was kind of bonkers. Um, All right. Moving on. Next up, as we try to rush through the rest mm-hmm. of the news, Marvel's going to publish uh, Predator Omnibus as they have now acquired the rights to the license to the, uh, this intellectual property. So uh, they set a new release date because I remember they had set one and then they had to take it off. Right. So they set a new release date for the first volume of its Predator Omnibus, which collects the comics produced by Dark Horse Comics between 1986 and 1997. The original year's Omnibus Volume 1 was originally scheduled for July 2021. Uh, The new publication date is now September 14th of 2022, and the MSRP is a $125. But hey, there are a lot of comics for a 1,032-page hardcover. I mean, yeah, yeah, bang for your buck. Um, Marvel's Avengers adds Uru armor, armor uh, Iron Man skin. Uh, let's see, da, 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 da. yeah. So, event Marvel's the uh, the Avengers uh, video game has been adding skins left and right. Uh, March third, the marketplace. Well, I guess it's already going on. Will feature Iron Man's Uru armor that first debuted in uh, Fear Itself number seven. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's funny. Um, fear itself, yeah. Um, the armor was. I don't know how long this is going to be around. I assume it is probably still going to be there at this um, at this uh, time because it is the March 11th. Uh, so hey, if you're still playing that game and want that armor, go for it. Next. <laughs> lost my place lost my ah star wars villainous is coming in 2022 and it gives you the power of seriously the dark side uh this is uh what is this it's a board game landing in august of this year it's a spin-off of raven's burgers original disney villainous franchise 
And Star Wars Villainous allows fans to play as Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, Asajj Ventress, Moff Gideon, or General Grievous. Each one has a unique sculptural token with flecks of a different color injected into the mold to provide a suitably battle-worn look. Um, so it introduces new mechanics, including vehicles and ambition and ships such as the Millennium Falcon allow rivals to save heroes from defeat and hold them in reserve for later. The press release for the game notes that Ambition offers abilities based on the villain's use of the Force and other things. So it's not just a redo of Disney Villainous. Okay. Right. Yeah, and there's been, like, uh, I assume it, this will fold, you'll be able to use this with the main game, but uh, or probably not. So mm-hmm. we, yeah. the, the game retails for $39.99, and it launches in August 2022. Cool. Um... Star Trek Picard uses four Star Trek Online ships in its second season premiere. Um, so, yeah, I forgot to mention this uh, when when the, last week's show. Um, uh, uh, Cryptic announced uh, the exclusion, uh, inclusion, excuse me, of four of Star Trek Online Starship models in the television show, thereby making them officially canon. Uh, these include the... The Gregarian, the Reliant, the Ross, and the Southern Sutherland class uh, ships. I thought that Stargazer that they used in the show was also um, from the. Well, I mean, the Stargazer was prior to Star Trek Online. But regardless, regardless, uh, this was kind of cool to see is that the fact that they used uh, ships from the video that were made for the video game. Uh, and put back into the live action Star Trek uh, lore. So that was pretty cool. Um, Next up. The OP announces Avatar The Last Airbender Fire Nation Rising. So this is a brand new cooperative board game uh, set for release in summer 2022. Uh, The game is one to five players, ages 10 and up, and retails for $49.99. Wow. Okay. Board games are expensive. I don't know if you knew Jeez. that. I had no idea. Yeah, it was all good until the Fire Nation uh, attacked. Um, that it seems interesting. We won't go into it, but you can read it, the article in the show notes. Check out this Thundercats Sword of Omens prop, the repl- replica. Uh, I got the 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 uh, image up right there. Sadly, it does not retract as the Sword of Omens is want to do, but nevertheless. Factory Entertainment's got you covered if you need one. Uh, it's a one-to-one scale prop replica of the Sword of Omens. Stainless steel sword with a mirror chrome finish and something Lionel will be proud of according to this article. The retail price is, hold your horses, folks. Gird your loins. 600 USDs. With shipping es- estimated in fall 2022, uh, if you are like me, you can just uh, gaze at these images because that's probably about as close as you're going to get to the sword. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not making a Wakizashi, you know, like the short sword version, like the dagger. I'm version. shocked that they haven't. Yeah. No, no, as a companion piece and like jack the price up to a, you know, a cool G. Mm. You know, that would be, that would have made all the sense in the world, but they're going to make a, they're going to make it and just charge you more for it and not sell it as a combo. You would think at this point there would, the technology would be to have a retractable sword. That's not going to break into five seconds. Yeah, but it's not that strong. It's, it's sword, sword, sword technology is not like that though. I know. Um, next. all right. So next up. Renegade. 
announces standalone expansion for Transformers deck building game. Uh, Rising Darkness features playable Decepticons. So Renegade Game Studios announced Transformers deck building game, A Rising Darkness, a new standalone expansion for release into retail in the second quarter of this year. This expansion features new Decepticon villains, including Megatron, Starscream, and more. It adds new cards and new modes of play to the core game. The two primary modes of play added are a competitive mode where the Decepticons thwart each other's plans while they face the Autobots, and cooperative mode where the Decepticons join their forces to battle the Autobots. Um, the game box comes with 174 standard game cards, six oversized character cards, blah, 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 blah. The game is for <laughs> one to five players, ages 14 and up, and plays in 45 to 90 minutes. It retails for $45. So real quick, when I saw this, I was thinking, wait, there was already a Transformers trading card game and, and that was like, so that they had killed a couple of years ago. And I thought this was that. Apparently, this is a deck building game, which is a new thing. And this is an expansion for a newer thing that I did not know about previously. And I'm probably going to end up getting this stupid thing. Next up, though, Transformers Final Story is the ending fans never thought they'd see. So, uh, as folks may or may not know, Transformers License is leaving IDW. So, I guess they're, um, so yeah, so they're finishing, they're wrapping up their stories uh, by the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it says here that, um, as IDW says goodbye to the franchise with a uh, TMNT last Ronin style tale, uh, the war between the Autopots and the Decepticons, blah, 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 you already know the story. Uh, but the war is coming to an end after a fashion. And actually, which is funny because they were kind of leading up to the, the, the big battle from what I'm understanding or from what it seemed like it was reading like, um, because this was basically was set before the, they came to Earth. But regardless of getting out of all of that, uh, IDW has um, announced a new Transformers miniseries, led by Standing, that will present a vision of the future, a time when the war between the Autobots and the Decepticon uh, ended eons ago. According to the comic book publisher, uh, that would be IDW, the miniseries is set at the edge of the universe, at the end of time on the planet uh, Danacht, a world on the brink of uh, industrial revolution. A lone figure visitor falls from the sky, as transform as Cybertronians tend to do at the times. A shape-tripping robot from an ancient civilization, the last survivor of Cybertron. Um, uh, it goes on from there. It's written. It's going to it looks like it's going to be written and um, and art done by Nick Roche, uh, who explained in the press release, and uh, yeah. That's going to be a thing. Uh, let's see. This is last spot standing. Did it say a date or did I miss it? It's probably going to be by the summer. I don't see a date here. So, yeah. Nevertheless, that's things that are coming. Uh, next up. Sorry. Next up. Hot Toys is the Batman Deluxe One Sixth Scale figure features a working light up bat signal. That's that's not that unique, but it's in the fa- it's in the fashion of the new the Batman movie. So um, let's see how much this is. You can see images of it as Roddy Cat scrolls through. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the price. Looking for the price because you know Hot Toys stuff is expensive. Yes. Where is it? I don't see it. Did I pass it by? You like me with that last story? 
Apparently yeah, I'm best, just looking for the price. Apparently, the best signal is USB or battery powered. Oh uh, yeah, I was about to say I have a I have a I have a mini bat signal that's battery powered. Okay. Yeah, I don't see a price either. Yeah, it's not in the article. It's okay. Uh, pricey, because like Agent Seventy Six. Yeah, it's Hot Toys. <laughs> exactly. Because it's Hot Toys. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Anyway, excuse me. Um. Oh, uh, this is a spoiler for Nubia and the Amazon's number six. We don't necessarily need to go into it, but yeah, like I said earlier, somebody somebody dies, and that's going to be a part of that trial of the uh, Amazon's thing. Next up. All right, a sneak peek at Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number two finally delves into the true origins of the Gold Lantern, Kayla Lauer, or Kala Lauer. There's a Gold Lantern? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's in that the actually that came out this week. The Justice League versus uh, League of Superheroes thing. Legion of Superheroes. Okay. Yeah, that thing. Okay, it's a Bendis thing. Okay. Yes, exactly. That's what I was about to say too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that it's um, a Bendis thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so the origin uh, is going to come out. Uh, what you call it? Right, so uh, this week. Sorry, it was number two. Okay. Right. So, yeah, that thing. Uh, right. uh, earlier this year, DC Comics announced Flashpoint Beyond, a new bi-weekly six-issue series beginning next month, uh, picking up where 2011 event miniseries left off. Uh, the series kicks off with a zero issue, uh, written by Jeff Johns, uh, illustrated by Eduardo Risa, colored by Trish um, Mulville, and letter by Rob Lee. Uh, this, uh, today, DC released a letter preview of the issue, which features Thomas Wayne, the Batman of the Flashpoint timeline, teamed with a pair of familiar characters from the universe of the Watchmen, uh, the duo Marionette and Mine from Doomsday Clock. So they're basically tying or, or continuing to tie DC to the Watchmen stuff. Or vice versa, I guess you'll say. And the rest of the article goes on into a description of Flashpoint Beyond Zero. Next. Oh, so in some interesting news, Watchmen co-creator Dave Gibbons is uh, is releasing an autobiography called Confabulation and Anecdotal Autobiography in October of 2022. So you will recognize Dave Gibbons, as I said earlier, as co-creator of The Watchmen and uh, a pretty prolific artist, specifically uh, doing some DC Comics work. So um, that, you know, that could prove uh, to be an interesting read, especially if you want to maybe hear some of his uh, behind the scenes stuff working with Alan Moore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm showing the cover for this uh, for this thing. Don't think. It's a 325-page hardcover released on October 25th, 2022. Yeah, I was just looking for a price myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, it doesn't. there is no price on this one either. So, given that number, that's got to be at least 20, 30, probably more. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith to launch Dark Horse comic book line, because we knew he was going to come back to comics at some point, right? Snoogans! I assume, I got a feeling you probably heard this on Fat Man Beyond. Of course. Of course. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, Kevin Smith, Dark Horse, getting in, in bed together. The line will be called the Kevin Smith's Secret Stash Press, named for his New Jersey comic book shop, of course. 
Uh, it will launch this fall with Masquerade, an eight-issue series about a budding vigilante. Uh, it'll be followed up by the ongoing anthology Quick Stops, uh, set in his view esque uh, universe. Excuse me, that includes uh, Darian Science, Barb's Clerks, Mall Rats, etc. There isn't a circuit, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's a quote from uh, Dark Horse President. We don't need to go into that. And uh, apparently, uh, this is the 25th anniversary of uh, Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash, according to Kevin Smith. So, yeah. Congratulations. Next. Next up, Skybound uh, provided comic book resources with an exclusive first look at new pages from The Walking Dead Clementine, book one by Tilly Walden. So this is a follow-up to the Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, the final season, uh, Clementine book one, uh, final season that is. Clementine book one is the first in a series of three young adult graphic novels focused on the titular character. Published by Skybound Comet, Clementine sees the character heading north and encountering an Amish teenager named Amos. Together, they head for an abandoned ski resort in Vermont, where other teens are trying to build a new settlement. Okay. Hopefully Amos doesn't end up like Lee. The, those who played that game know what I'm talking about. Um... Dumb and Dumber is returning as a graphic novel in an unexpected way. And I read this, I, was, I had to look at the date on this because I'm sitting here like, how old is this article? Apparently it's from a few days ago. So the hit comedy Dumb and Dumber uh, is making a comeback, but it won't be on the big screen. Uh, Dumb and Dumber Irrational Treasure is a, uh, I guess, National Treasure playoff. is <laughs> an upcoming graphic novel from Scholastic that places Lloyd and Harry in a new adventure in middle school. Uh, this article goes on to talk about Dumb and Dumber. Uh, timely, of course. Uh, it will introduce uh, Tinny, a new character who will find herself unexpectedly around for, uh, along for the ride. The cover has been re- revealed as well as a release date. Um, no, no price. June 28th is when it's going to be released. I don't know. Does any kid even know what Dumber Dumber is? This is for, uh, at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, last up. I mean, in the world of streaming, you never know. Well, I guess so. I don't know. It's, you know so many things are, are are available to 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 people that you just don't know. You know. Yeah, it seems a weird cut, but sure. All right. Last but not least, AfterShock Comics uh, and Women of Color unite to produce Animus, the first graphic novel created by women of color. Uh, the world of Animus is similar to our own with similar problems, the economy, the environment, conflicts between nations and countries leaning more and more to the political far right. Uh, in this world, there is one big difference. Psychic abilities exist. Though rare, these gifts come in many forms, including telepathy, telekinesis, healing, and teleportation, but only women can possess them. These women are heroes, villains, and vigilantes, CEOs, doctors, politicians, artists, soldiers, activists, and even petty thieves and animus. Each has their own story and place in the world. Okay. Sure. Uh, that's cool. I saw this on, on that on Twitter and was like, okay, that's, that's a cool thing. Um... We are rounding the end of this here show. We've got one more ad read. <clears throat> Before the ad, we just have a little bit of a toy corner. Oh, right. Sure. Just very quickly because it is late and uh, we are running on fumes because gas is expensive. This came in today. 
It is the Marvel Legends, unfortunately, Walmart exclusive Doctor Strange Marvel Legends. So this is the OG Doctor Strange, but definitely inspired by the, was it Wade and Kevin Nolan on that uh, uh, Doctor Strange run where he got the axe? Was it Mark Wade? I think it was. Or was that after or before Wade? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. But I know I know what run you're talking about, but I'm not. Yeah, because we read it. Right. We talked about it on the show. I want to say it was Mark Wade because on the back, the box art shows the Kevin Nolan art. Right. Right. And the axe, the battle axe is the, is the giveaway. Remember when he had the, the magical Mm -hmm. forge Mm -hmm. and he was building magical weapons. Right. So what's cool about this Dr. Strange figure is that he comes with the wand of Watum. So, you know, slowly but surely we are building up a small stock of magical uh, accessories, you know, we've gotten copies of the Darkhold and the Book of the Vishanti, and now we have the Wand of Watum as well. So it's pretty cool that we're getting these. As you can see, we get alternate head, we have a couple alternate hands, we get the magic hands um, slash uh, web shooter hands that uh, Doctor Strange has here. My understanding is that the cape is glued onto him, which is good and bad. Because the good is that, you know, the, the previous capes would be kind of finicky and move around a lot. But the bad is that you can't take this one off at all. Right. But I haven't opened mine yet, so I have yet to confirm that. But I'm pretty sure that's the case based on what I've read and seen online. But this is a cool figure. Unfortunately, it is uh, exclusive to Walmart, and it may be an online exclusive. So you may want to uh, check the Walmart site and order yours before they are gone, because this is a pretty classic-looking Doctor Strange. Yeah. Cool. And that's it for me. And our last ad read of the night, because it's late and we're tired, keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items on from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or other Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to the end of another episode of this year, Comic Book Chronicles, thank you for being out. Sorry it's a long one, but hey, there was a lot of news to go through. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week as we tend to do um, uh, Moon Knight. I guess we got no, not yet. no, no, not, not yet. yet. We still got another two weeks for that. Sorry, uh, but yeah, Star Trek Picard. Um, yeah, I'll uh, try to catch up if I can catch a Thursday morning. Uh, I'll do my best, but I doubt it. It'll be in the evening. Hopefully, I'll have enough time to to watch it before the show. But if not, Roddy Cat will you know he'll he'll talk about it. I don't worry about spoilers, but you know that might be uh, a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, because of the fact that this comes out on Thursday and we record on Thursday, I don't want to really spoil it for anybody who's just coming to the to to the thing. Uh, but or you know, I know we got a lot of listeners after the fact, so mm-hmm. uh, it probably doesn't matter one way or the other. But we try to at least give you know, give, give folks some time to watch it without spoiling things. Either way, we'll be back next week, one way or the other. Uh, this is the Comic Chronicles. I have been Ryder Cat. Uh, you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. 
uh, pop, uh, dirt, uh, PCN underscore dirt at, um, at that on Twitter. You can also find him at pop culture net on Twitter and pop culture network.com is all his umbrella says there in Tim D O G G nine, eight on Twitter. You can find um, him also at CB Cron on Twitter, which is a comic book chronicles, uh, Twitter account, uh, the click nation on Twitter. That's the V K L I Q N A T I O N. Uh, theclicknation.com and also uh, comicbook.com where he's over there writing his face off. And actually, uh, check out the um, uh, clickbait section of the um, of this week's uh, show uh, in the show notes because there's another article that Tim wrote, which was an um, interview with, uh, I think, with Jim Zub. Um, of about something I totally forget. Yeah, about the his, the Thunderbolts uh, um, uh, book that he's writing coming up. So definitely check that out, as well as the other stuff in in the clickbait section, including uh, trailer breakdowns of that Obi Wan Kenobi trailer. But watch that trailer because it's really good if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, Chiching. I was about uh, to say I wasn't sure if you were done. Yeah, no, no, that's that's why I gave you the cue. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, you could also find us recording. Oh, excuse me. You can find the uh, the this uh, here podcast at the CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, that's right. That's the Coastal Podcast Network. You could also find us on uh, your podcast virtual place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday, as we said, 9.30-ish p.m. Uh, 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 Eastern Standard Time on YouTube.com slash TheClickNation and Twitch.tv slash Chronicles. Smash that like button. All right, hit like and subscribe. Yeah. We'll be back next week, folks. Uh, this has been The Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Wakanda forever! It's, it's Dr.